Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. Friendship expert Shasta Nelson says that the best relationships, including the ones you form at work, are built on three pillars consistency, vulnerability, and positivity. She's the author of the book, The Business of Friendship, making the most of our relationships where we spend most of our time. Shasta, thanks so much for speaking with me today. Ah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, so you can tell that I believe really strongly in having close friends at work, but a lot of people will question whether you really need to. How do you respond to that skepticism? I just point to the research. <laughs> so you're a very smart, wise person, but it's amazing to me. Organizations like Gallup have been saying for two decades, the best employees, meaning the most engaged, the best customer service, they call into sick less, you know, less frequently, they have fewer workplace accidents, you know, yada, yada, yada. The list is really long. And they say the best employees say that they have a best friend at work. And there's so many other studies that show having friends at work matters or how many friends you have at work matters. A huge study just came out right as I was researching this book from the Myers-Briggs Institute. And they were saying that, um, they did a big test of 110 different countries, and we're basically asking what are the factors that matter most to job satisfaction, and it didn't surprise any of us that coworkers or those friends were high on the list, but it was even shocking to me that it was number one. So, I mean, the research is really significant that this matters, and yet, to your point, it's kind of crazy how many people resist that, feel uncomfortable with it, or don't want to foster that in the workplace, um, employers and employees. So there are really tangible, measurable benefits, both to the individual and the team or organization as a result of work friendships? Yeah. I mean, I did my first two chapters on just how significant that is, trying to summarize the research. So like when you talk about your friendships at work, um, your happiness is bound to go up. You are going to be, you're going to report feeling more job satisfaction. Your health is better. We know how important relationships are overall to our health and our happiness, where would it not matter more than where we're spending most of our time? And so the people that we're hanging out with, or even with it's virtually, the people that we're interacting with the most will damage us the most and or help us the most with those issues. 
And then the second chapter, I focused on like why why your employer would want you to have those best friends that you named because it's really to their benefit, to their bottom line, to your loyalty to that company, to your desire to stay there longer, to your excitement to come in on quote Monday morning, to your willingness to kind of take one for the team and do a little extra work or cover somebody and take someone, you know, have someone's back. Uh, Gallup says you're going to be seven times more engaged. So are we just talking about people who you joke around with at the water cooler or over Zoom? Or are we talking about best, best friends? I think if we're talking about all of that. So I teach relationships on a triangle. And I teach that all relationships start on the bottom of the triangle at the very lowest levels of consistency, positivity, and vulnerability. And then as we practice those three things, as we increase our consistency, positivity, and vulnerability over time, incrementally with people, some of those relationships will move up the triangle. And so when you're talking about the friend who is like a sister to you, that's probably a relationship that's at the top of the triangle. You have high level of consistency. You have history built. You've had a lot of interactions and you share a lot and you probably have high vulnerability and it leaves you both feeling good. So you have high positivity. I would argue that um, we need to have everybody that we work with at the bottom of the triangle, meaning it needs to at least feel somewhat safe, somewhat good, and somewhat like, you know, that we, we know each other a little bit. Hopefully we move up the triangle toward the middle of the triangle with like our team, with our people that we're collaborating with regularly, with the people that we sit next to. Uh, hopefully, many of us will have one or two relationships at each job that we can move up that triangle and learn how to have that be a relationship that lasts past that job. And the more important thing is to be really clear about what expectations you have from people at different levels. Any kind of friendship requires an investment of time and energy. So how do we find that in our busy workday and busy lives? Yeah, that's such a great question. And it's one of the reasons that motivated me to write this book, because my, the last 10 years I've been out teaching friendships um, when what when what we'd call our personal lives uh, and been trying to encourage people to make more friends and to make deeper friendships. We see from the loneliness numbers in our country, Cigna just came out with a big report uh, this year, and this was before sheltering in place, 61% of us were reporting loneliness on a somewhat regular basis. And so the way we're doing our lives now isn't working. For the vast majority of us, we don't feel that seen. We don't feel that connected. We aren't feeling that supported. Most of us, I would argue, it's not for lack of needing more interaction. Uh, Most of us have plenty of interaction, potentially. Um, We're actually missing the more intimacy, like really feeling known and being closer to people. And so when I've been out there talking about why we need better relationships, that consistency piece is the one that people always raise their hand and say, that is the hardest one to make happen in a busy life. Like, I don't have time to get together more than once every two months with this person or only talk on the phone once a year with this person or go on one trip every year. And that's why the workplace is perfect because it's the closest thing that adults have to what school was like when we were kids. It's like that consistent place. Uh, with the same group of people that we can have familiarity with. And the consistency piece is more or less kind of built in for us. Yeah, I'd love to dig into those three requirements of friendship that I talked about in the intro and you've referenced since. Is there an order to how they develop? Consistency seems to be the first thing when we are talking about the office, even if it's virtually, you know, you're meeting with people, you're emailing people, etc. Yeah, for sure. I teach them where positivity is the base of the triangle. So at the very beginning, it has to feel 
good enough to make me want to spend time with you and have that consistency piece. But for sure, when we're at a, at a workplace, we it may not feel good at all. <laughs> we still have to show up and be and be connecting. So our goal in that is that our relationship should always feel more good than bad. Um, if we want the relationship to be healthy, we know from science that it needs to have five positive emotions for us for every negative emotion. And so the more stress we have going on, the more deadlines, the more annoyances, the more, uh, yeah, just kind of overall, like a disappointment, a fear, all that kind of stuff, the more positive we need to show up there. Our vulnerability should only be as much as our consistency has given us like a a pattern to rely on, a safety. Uh, So the goal isn't to just come and (laughs) be like, blah, here's everything about me. Uh, The goal should be to kind of, as we interact a little bit, which is consistency, we should get to know each other a little bit, which is vulnerability. And then it should feel good. At least should leave us both feeling empathy or um, acceptance or um, just enjoying and feeling good. And and so then that should make us want to do it again, which is consistency, which then we get to know each other a little bit more. So every interaction, we hopefully are getting a better feel of getting, picking up clues from each other and who you are. And it should always leave us feeling better and that loop just keeps happening hopefully and those are the relationships that end up going to the top of the triangle so most of us when we look at our best best friends it's not because we would have picked them out of a lineup of 20 people and said like they're they're going to be our best friends especially the people we work with it's simply that we practice these three things over and over and over and these are the people we ended up feeling closest to white supremacy is the sickness a stretcher rattles in New York City's Presbyterian Queens Hospital. Kim Villiamer perches at the nurse's station among staff she calls her second family. Her real family sits a half a world away in the Philippines, where she recalls a childhood upended. At age 10, Villiamer's parents left her, their youngest of seven, for the United States. Before that, I was sleeping in their bedroom. Um, we would pray together before bedtime. And um, that time I was devastated to see them leave. The U.S. Embassy denied her a visa to travel with her mother and father, but she says they kept their word to call every day and sent home many gifts for a young daughter pining for her parents. She came to understand the trade-off. That it was a difficult decision they have to make to, you know, provide a better future for our family. Now that I'm older... I think it's one of the best decisions they've made. During the long parentless period, Villiamer made her way to the doors of the University of St. Isabel, the oldest girls' school in Southeast Asia that goes from high school to postgraduate studies. With her parents' approval, Villiamer was on her own at 14. She says the nuns called her an old soul with survival instincts. I was volunteering with different school organizations. I joined the debate team. I joined the Young Writers Club. I was a dancer. I was a singer. I distracted myself. A champion debater, Villiamer envisioned a career in law. But her mother, who toiled at three jobs in the U.S., delivered an edict. Suddenly, my mom said, you are going to be a nurse. And I asked her why. It's your passport to the American dream. And she actually threatened me to, I'm not going to pay for your college if you don't become a nurse. (laughs) So I said, okay, fine. (laughs) Villiamer returned to St. Isabel's and earned a degree in a profession that is now her passion. Who can't fall in love with a profession that allows you to spend so much time with these patients 
in the darkest of their days and to to also spend the last moments of their life when their family is not around who can't fall in love with a profession as beautiful as that The coronavirus is relatively under control in New York City. Presbyterian Queens Hospital told NPR that its brave frontliners have saved more than 2,000 COVID-19 patients. Villiamer says for her, walking into a patient's room was enough to conquer the fear of the virus. You forget. You forget about COVID and all you see are just human beings who need you. Villiamer became a U.S. citizen last year, but she holds her Philippine roots close. Tapping a network of classmates, she raised money and materiel for fellow frontliners badly in need of PPE back home, reaching 27 cities and municipalities. I love my life here, but I recognize the fact that it's not easy for the people I left behind. The team at Presbyterian Queens excels not only in caring for patients, but for each other. During the height of the pandemic, Villiamer joined a colleague and sang for stressed patients and staff, performances that became a daily ritual. Julie McCarthy, NPR News. And finally today, let's talk food. If you love food as we do, you've probably followed some of the recent controversies over racist imagery on some well-known products and about the lack of diverse representation in food writing and reviewing and other foodie spaces. Well, enter the rapper and entrepreneur Master P. This week, Master P, whose given name is Percy Miller, announced that he's getting into the packaged food business. He recently launched a line of products called Uncle P's Louisiana Seasoned. But Miller, a native of New Orleans, says it's about more than changing racist imagery. He wants to use the brand to help support the black community. We wanted to hear more, so we gave him a call. Percy Miller, Master P, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, how you doing? Well, great. Well, congratulations on the new venture. I mean, I think people who follow your career know that you're a restless spirit with uh, yes. lots of different ventures over the course of your career. And this isn't even your first foray into food. You opened a burger spot uh, in New Orleans called yes. Big Papa Burgers, which got some nice reviews. You know, a lot of celebrities open restaurants, but what made you want to get into the packaged food business, That's, which is a whole other thing? Well, it's, it's my passion. We've been eating these foods all our lives. So when you look at rice, pancakes, syrup, noodles, chips, all these different things as African-Americans, we've been consuming these products since kids. Our grandparents have been making us buy Uncle Ben Rice, Auntie Mama. And not knowing that, These products are not owned by us, but as African-Americans, when we go into the stores, we're thinking we want to support this because these are products look like us and we think it's owned by us. And to get in this side of the business to where we say, you know what, we want to create more product, but we want product that we are eating. Everybody eat rice. <laughs> and it's like, but we never owned it. And we all make pancakes We all have syrup for breakfast, all these type of things, red beans and rice, uh, yellow rice, brown rice. And I'm saying we have never thought that we could own product like that. We have to start thinking outside the box. 
You know, you're starting this at a time when, you know, retail in general is just just completely upended. I mean, people, you know, some people are afraid to go to the grocery stores. A lot of people are getting mm-hmm. their groceries online. It just seems like a really topsy-turvy time in, in, in the food business period. And I just, I'm wondering if you're, if you're worried about that. Now, I'm not worried about it because think about it. When you start a business, you have to find a problem. We found a problem. We own no products on these shelves. And it's time, whether it's Amazon, uh, the other uh, grocery stores, people are still going to the stores because we need essential foods, especially like rice. Why not buy it from us? And we've been buying it from them over 130 years. I come from New Orleans, so we have hard times. We've been going through hard times all our life. The hurricane come, we got to start over. We're not afraid to start. Like once we get into these major chain stores, then other African-American product companies are going to know that they could do this in a packaged food business. And it's going to spread on to other things. That's why we're protesting. That's why we're standing up for Black Lives Matter. But at the same time, we have to win on the business side to be able to rebuild our community, to be able to educate our kids. You know, I, I pray for wisdom. I don't pray for money. So this is not about that. It's like, this is what I know need to be done. And we're going to break that barrier down to where getting into these major chain stores, if they close a the door, we're going in through the window. We're going to keep, we're going to keep fighting this fight till you see more African American packaged foods companies everywhere. And it's just the beginning. You know, we're facing two big historic moments in this country, the social justice protests on one hand and the coronavirus pandemic on the other. Yes. Uh, You know, New Orleans, Louisiana has been hit hard by the pandemic. I know you have deep ties to Louisiana as we've just been talking about. Do you mind if I ask how, how is your family doing? I know you have a big extended family still in the area. How how are things? I have a large family, but we're holding in. We're holding together and God has blessed us that we're still here and we, we fight in the fight. COVID-19 is real. Uh, I have friends that I've lost and my family has been sticking together. And we just been, we know that this is something that we're going to eventually get over. I also want to ask about your brother, Corey Miller. He's uh, also known as the rapper C-Murder. He's currently incarcerated and we know prisons have become coronavirus hotspots. Do you mind if I ask, how is he doing? His situation is unfortunate. He's holding his head up and we just hope that we could get through this. And it's a lot of innocent people that's incarcerated, but you have to fight. Trouble is easy to get into, but hard to get out of. So we have to keep fighting the fight and keep praying. But I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, you know, how we got to know you in the first place through your music work. You were at the home of No Limit Records for years. You were responsible for Mm -hmm. numerous careers. Certainly many hit records on your side, but also you've managed other people uh, as well, yes. including your son. How, how, does music still play a role in your, in your life? Music is uh, therapy for me. And you have to grow. As a man that I evolved into, I don't want people to just know me as a hip-hop artist or a hip-hop mogul. I have involved, diversified my portfolio. Uh, I played in the NBA. I created numerous of business. So I changed my life. Don't, I don't, I want to send this message to any kid out there. Don't be afraid to grow and change and get better. And as you get better, you know better, you do better. 
And my music, I feel like, is a part of my childhood. Mm. My evolving into a man and a father is about making the right decisions and choices. And I want people to know that's what my life is about. Uh, when you see me now, you're going to be able to say the entrepreneur, the philanthropist, the businessman. There is very a clear subtext to your message, which is, this is what I'm doing, but I don't want to just to be me. I want other people to follow this path and yes. to get involved in the mainstream economy and to dominate sectors of it, to have a diversified interest, to not just be focused on one thing. Do you think you're having an impact? I hope I am because I'm only trying to help the next generation and even entrepreneurs because they teach us that we have to be good at one thing. But if you're only good at one thing, then when that's over, then what? We need to start owning things. We need to start owning products, brands. We need to start owning real estate if we're going to change the narrative. And so the people that are listening, I'm going to keep giving them that game. And I've been giving it to them for free. That was Percy Miller, also known as Master P. He is launching Uncle P's Louisiana Seasoned Food Line. Master P, Percy Miller, thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, September 11, 2020. So I have been told it is difficult to believe it has been nearly 20 years since 9-11. Wacky. Uh, I will say again. Dr. Francis Cress Welsing said on this broadcast, 9-11-2011, the terrorism is the system of white supremacy. Anyway, Patriots Day, they call it now. Uh, before we get into any of that, I did not want to be on this broadcast today. We just went through Labor Day. This is the labor of counter-racism. I'm not sure if people have been uh, paying attention to all the fires that are happening on the West Coast. They have had um, historic wildfires in California. Let's make sure I'm being... Oh, is my line... Woo, let's see. This service is provided in high definition. Access code accepted. There are 13 participants in the conference. Q&A session has started. The recording has started. Context of white supremacy. Okay. 
audio was not coming through before. Man, it's been a tough one today. Woof. Had to double check, but we are rolling. I can see myself on the line now. Okay. We'll try that again. Context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, September 11, 2020. So I have been told uh, difficult to grasp. It's been 20 years since the 9-11 attacks. As Dr. Francis Cress Welsing said, the terrorism is the system of white supremacy. All of that said, before we get started, Gus did not want to be on this broadcast today. Like, no way, no shape, no how. Uh, I would have uh, mailed things in as soon as I woke up today. Would have been that, eh, not doing anything. Uh, I don't know if folks have been paying attention to all the fires that are happening on the West Coast of the United States uh, right now. They've got like historic uh, wildfires in California that have been raging for a week or maybe even a little longer. Tens of thousands of acres of damage, uh, historic wildfires uh, in Oregon uh, throughout the state. They've even they're even talking about mass casualties. Uh, and then there have been huge fires here in Washington state as well. They started at the beginning of the week uh, in kind of the eastern part of Washington. Seattle is in the western part of the state. So uh, there's no immediate fire danger. But what happens, uh, it has an impact. Uh, We are all connected. So, you know, the uh, fire debris uh, has been hovering in the city for mm, about a good five, four or five days or so uh, since Monday, at least. And it knocked the power out on Monday. Uh, We had a long stretch. uh, I think it was like a good three, four mile radius that had no power here. Uh, And then it's just been fire debris and haze. Uh, It's just been, uh, man, (laughs) worst year ever is is kind of minimal at this point. Uh, Certainly there are lots of folks who, you know, lost houses and and all the rest. As I said, they're talking about massive casualties for uh, the potential for massive casualties in Oregon. So uh, it has just been uh, unpleasant all the way around just to wake up and see uh, a thick haze uh, across the city. And then uh, it's still kind of warm. So under normal circumstances, it'd be like, oh, it's nice to open the windows and get a fresh, uh, fresh breeze. Uh, But you can't even do that uh, because, you know, So, yeah, it's been a frustrating worst year ever and uh, just trying to make do. (sighs) The labor of counter racism. Uh, So we'll try to do uh, workplace racism, uh, get through it as best we can. Man, oh, man, what a year. What a year. Uh, So they started off with the uh, audio segments before we get to callers and folks that wrote in and all the rest of it. Uh, We are broadcasting. I've been having massive computer trouble uh, all year long. Uh, Hopefully folks can invest. I can get that snazzy new computer ASAP. Uh, You can visit my Amazon wish list, MacBook Pro there as well. Uh, But we are broadcasting online. So you can feel free if you listen via Black Talk Radio Network or tune in or whatever it is. Feel free to listen there. Uh, If you do not want to call in, uh, we should be rolling. Anywho, uh, the first audio segment uh, that we started with 
uh, for the week. We ended with Master P. We had the segment about the uh, nurses uh, who are having uh, difficulty uh, as well. We'll talk about that because we have folks who asked about uh, having codification uh, for the wrong. God, there was so many things that happened. Workplace racism related this week. And then the crazy fires came through the segment on friends in the workplace. That was from uh, Harvard Business Review. They have a podcast and uh, like a magazine journal type thing. And they talk about racism and, and give uh, tips, strategies uh, for how you can function better in the workplace, solve problems. They talk about racism often. I've said consistently every time I hear one of their broadcasts, I feel substantially better uh, about my own efforts uh, at replacing white supremacy with justice. Anywho, so that segment, they were talking about the importance of having friends in the workplace. I have heard that before that, you know, people will be more likely to come to work. They'll battle through the snow. They'll be more engaged. All of that. I do think there are some trade offs because I've also seen a lot of what you get. My man in Florida, uh, we talk about the click where you end up having people be a little too chummy in the workplace. Uh, where they spend all day gossiping and texting and all. They didn't talk about any of the detriments to having all this chumminess in the workplace. But anyway, I've heard the positives of all of that before. Uh, if anybody has friends in the workplace, please share. Let us know how that has you know evolved. Were you all cool before you were on the job together? Or did that you know kind of develop that relationship evolve as you work together? Uh, But that is just not in my code at all. Uh, And I want to be clear when we say friend, that doesn't mean that I am mute, cold. I don't speak to anyone. That's the exact opposite of what I have recommended for years on neutralizing workplace racism. I said consistently, you speak to people. If they're non-white people, oh, for sure. I'm all about let's be courteous. Be helpful if you can, you know, but friends. No. And in my view, that is an incorrect expectation to have for a workplace. Uh, I agree with what she said. It's not about trusting uh, one another and and all of that. I am just about we are going to be courteous. We speak. You can be nice to that person, but it's all I mean, like ninety nine percent of the conversation and everything is going to revolve around. What are we here to do? What are we being paid for? What are we supposed to be focused on? This is not just we're talking about family and friends and a lot of that to get through that entire segment. No mention of white supremacy, racism. There's studies. White people do not want to be friends with black people, workplace context or otherwise. They don't even want to hire niggers uh, in many situations, if not all. So. That would have to be included as well. White people, it's not like they want to be friends of the nigra. In a workplace setting, you also have to be concerned because whatever information I'm sharing, what I've said consistently, I have to think I'm sharing this information with everyone at the company. That's the way you would have to think. So that's not a friendship. They use a lot of these terms so loosely, friend and family and all that in a system of why you can almost just fade out right there in a system of white supremacy. We're going to be courteous helpful business like you speak to everyone but this is not a friendship in my even with non-white people i say that all the time even with black people this is not 
a friendship. And we've heard from too many people about getting in trouble. I, I was cracking up laughing. I remembered one from this week. I could talk about some of my own, too. But we had uh, Kabisha M. Africa. She was a guest on the program. 2014, she talked about it was a black male. And this was in Japan, global system. She was on the, on the job talking about racism, which I say we shouldn't do all the time. BGQ. Uh, black male. She's trying to be helpful. This is my black brother. I'm a lookout for it. You know about Dr. Francis Cress Welsing? She's awesome. ISIS papers. Here, I got a copy. You should check mine out. Does he go read it? Take notes? Let's go get a sake, some sushi, talk about counter racism and Dr. Welsing? No. He gets it. Uh, boss, we got a militant Negro. Look at what she's reading. Isn't this a disgrace? Look, 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 look. Keys to the colors. Fire her. Get rid of her right now. That's in the archives. You can go back and listen to it. That And there's tons of incidents like that. That's what I mean. We're not friends. This is a colleague. This is a coworker. That's going to be in the forefront of my mind, regardless of what their racial classification is. And we can just go from there in terms of, you know, courteous, business-like, and keep it moving. But if we have any folks here, if you have friends in the workplace, please share more details. Next. They had the segment, non-white nurse, so-called Filipina, uh, talking about her concerns. We had quite a few folks who uh, wrote in, uh, particularly the last two weeks, about safety and feeling a bit more anxiety. I think uh, either for some folks, they're going back to the workplace or the school year is starting and that type of thing. So they might be returning to an office environment. Uh, If we have any folks, if you have a code that has served you well, keeping you safe, you're feeling like, hey, this is working out well, so I'm not having any problems. Let us know. 720-716-7300. Number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Email is untiljustice at gmail.com. Forgot about that. If we have folks, if you are concerned, you do not want to get in trouble, be identified, that sort of thing. Untiljustice at gmail.com. You can share if you have either uh, suggestions, uh, if you have your own problems, certainly. We will read, keep it anonymous and share as we go through the broadcast. Um, Let's see. The last segment I forgot, didn't even get through all the audio clips. Um, Again, the middle one uh, talking about the nursing, as I said, I hope if we have anybody, if you have a code to keep you safe during all of this, uh, please share. You have to have your safety uh, as being for in the forefront of your mind, because no one else is going to have your safety as a primary consideration. But you, especially if you are classified as black anywhere in the world, take your safety seriously. Uh, The last segment. Uh, Master P, Percy Miller, uh, victim of white supremacy, entertainer, uh, entrepreneur, lots of titles. 
Uh, I certainly like underline boldface print. Uh, appreciate him uh, just as he said, making an effort to evolve. Uh, and I'm not just going to be stuck as a so-called hip hop artist spectacular and particularly trying to branch out and open other businesses and working against races. I think that was another segment. Didn't hear racism mentioned at all. Got a mention of Hurricane Katrina and all of that and no mention of white supremacy racism. The same thing that I say consistently when we talk about uh, entrepreneurship, black businesses, I'm all for that. Spectacular. Let's do it. However, all of this is happening within the system of white supremacy. The reason that you have not seen as many uh, black businesses in terms of packaged foods or in the food industry period didn't last week. We just had that segment. McDonald's franchise owners have that lawsuit. Racism, white supremacy. You're steering us to bad locations. And that what they say for business location, location, location. That's the same like that would have to be. That's what I mean. We have to acknowledge it's not just going to be, oh, hey, I'm a black entrepreneur and now I can go out and do all of these things. And he used the word dominate. I'm a black entrepreneur. Now we can go out and look to dominate certain areas, not in a system of white supremacy racism. You can expect massive uh, opposition. The same thing with hip hop distribution. Do we want to distribute this music? We might be all right if we got a black person that wants to say, uh, and nigga this and nigga that see murder. We might be okay with promoting black images of that black entrepreneurs. You want to go out and compete with us, uncle Ben and aunt Jemima? We shall see. Lots of black folks have tried to go in business. That is last. I guess my last thing, I think the nation of Islam Lots of other folks have a history of black people trying to go into business. Generally, what you see, even Claude Anderson, Dr. Claude Anderson talked about that. Generally, what you will see is the system of white supremacy. White people are not interested in promoting black businesses. That's something that they are professional about sabotaging. I could be in error. Let's see. Uh, all right. So I get to the first person uh, who wrote in uh, with the email. You know, I had one more thing to share, but I'll get to that as we push along. It's kind of related to this. Donald Trump, I, I'll, I'll see if I can do them together. Our president, FOMO years, Donald J. Trump announced this week. We're not doing any more of this tackiness with the sensitivity training. I'm done with it. It's divisive. It doesn't work. So for federal businesses, you're getting federal dollars. We are not hiring the likes of Timothy Wise, Jane Elliott, any of these other folks, Robin D'Angelo to come in here and talk about some white privilege and microaggressions. All of that is over on the federal dime. FOMO years, FOMO years. I celebrated. I jumped up and down. I stomped my feet. That is the end of white welfare for the likes of Jane Elliott Tim Wise, all the rest of these folks who go in and waste all of our time with these seminars and do not accomplish anything. It does get their bank account fat and Timothy Wise, they can go out and charge seven thousand, ten thousand dollars. Jane Elliott to say, yes, the Nigra has been treated bad. Has that check cleared yet? Oh, OK. Yes. The Nigra has been treated poorly. White privilege. Mm. Let's go get refreshments. 
our first email. So we had Grumpy Slave. I think this is two weeks ago now. He he wrote in, but he did call in. So he wrote in blackmail and they were having one of these type uh, seminars. Now they started. This is what they started. It was black mental health in the workplace. That was the seminar that they had at first. It moved from that to we're going to have a seminar where a black male has been specifically tasked with explaining the concept of colorblindness and the phrase all lives matter. I don't know what that has to do with black mental health in the workplace or anything else, but that's where it moved to. We talked about that. I think the last two workplace racism segments, I think myself, some of the other callers uh, felt it was suspicious uh, at best, if not an outright setup uh, to have this black male or any other victims of racism to come out and talk to their white colleagues about these type of concepts, colorblindness and all lives matter and all the rest of it. Uh, and particularly when you didn't ask to do this, your task to explain all this. Uh, and I think I'd said, I would just ask questions. I wouldn't have anything to say that type of thing. So we have an update. Look at Listen, listen to this tackiness. This is our update. <clears throat> I would like to provide uh, an update and thank you so much for sharing this on your platform. The feedback from everyone has been a tremendous help in my decision making about the panel discussion. Here's our update. Number one, there will be a white privilege icebreaker at the beginning of the Zoom call. Former cows guest suspected white supremacist Dr. Peggy McIntosh unpacking the invisible knapsack. She's another one. Ten thousand dollars. Yes. To talk about we got band-aids and the police don't stop me when I'm pissy drunk. And yes, lots of privilege that I have as a white person. In what ways do you feel microaggressions, white privilege is present in the workplace? Oh, wait a minute, number two, sorry. A non-white black female has been tasked with answering the question about white privilege, which reads, in what ways do you feel microaggressions, white privilege is present in the workplace? How do these overgeneralizations impact you while having these types of discussions? Is it realistic to address these things without offending someone? Number three. There will be what the committee has termed a dress rehearsal where the panel members and moderators will do a run through of the Q&A timed session. The panelists have been encouraged to provide their answers to these questions during the rehearsal. I was told that the answers given during the dress rehearsal will not need to be exactly what I plan to say on the day of this event. However, they would like an idea of our answers to the panel discussion questions. Number four, all women and myself, black male. From my knowledge, the white male has stepped down from participating in this event. I've asked questions to the committee about him not participating but I have not been provided a direct answer. He was not in attendance at our last panel discussion meeting. Now, see, I would put an asterisk next to that type of thing. The white man looks at this. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm still shook up about George Floyd. But yeah, I'm, I'm good on all this. 
Continuing. Uh, so then number five. Found out today HR has put a pause on the entire event. Here is the message. Good afternoon, all. Just wanted to give you an update on our panel with an exclamation point. We are putting a pause in all capital letters on this until we can talk to HR as directed by the senior leadership. This is just to ensure our plan is in alignment with the HR and diversity and inclusion policy. There's that word again. Someone asked about this last week. I would like to know, is it possible that if we could get a copy of the HR and diversity and inclusion policy, is it possible that we could get a copy of what that actually says? And you want to talk about buckets of words and nonsense. Continuing. Uh, So we need to cancel our dress rehearsal until we know the appropriate way to move forward. The good news is this will happen. All capital letters, just likely not on our original timeline. Please feel free to reach out to me for more information. In the meantime, be on the lookout for a follow up meeting after we meet HR. Thank you all. All capital letters. So that's the end of the HR back to grumpy slave speaking. This has clown show written all over it. I haven't yet, but do plan on stepping down from the panel discussion for all the reasons listed above. I plan on calling into this evening's broadcast to provide more detail. Once again, thanks again to everyone on neutralizing workplace racism for all the constructive feedback. I would get off of this panel because this is just nonsense. Like by the time they've done all this and meet with HR and make sure that it's not going to violate. And I said consistently. HR is not about replacing white supremacy with justice. They are about protecting the company. So, you know, by the time they go over this and make sure we're not going to get sued and all the rest of it, and they might wait long enough that some other things have happened and decide that it might be a good idea if we just wait, you know, maybe until next year after the election or who knows, like uh, I would get off of that panel. If that white man was able to get off the panel, that means you can get off the panel. I would, I got other things to do and I got to make sure that I got my mail-in balloting together. The Rona has been on my mind. The fires are stressing me out. Get off the panel. There we go. See, and that's what I mean. That's why President Donald Trump killing them this week. We are done with this sort of nonsense right here. Wasting time and everything. We are not wasting any more federal tax dollars on this. Tim Wise can get in the welfare line, get unemployment, Jane Elliott and all the rest of them. We are done with this sort of foolishness. Bravo. That's my president. Four more years. The number is seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. We got any folks if you have uh, a code to stay safe uh, with the Rona situation. Definitely share Uh, if you have any thoughts on the racial sensitivity. If we have any folks who have friends in the workplace, I do think it's important to cultivate uh, courteous relationships, workplace relationships, right? Where they're sharing constructive information that can help you. But that is not a friendship. That is a business relationship. Totally different. But if people have friendships in the workplace, feel free to share. Star 61, folks who dialed in with a hand up. Let's see.
Hi, Gus. Uh, B in Toronto. Yes, ma'am. Hi. Good evening to you, um, or greetings to you, callers and listeners. Uh, so yes, in in terms of a code for COVID uh, nineteen protocols, I've mentioned them in the past, so I, I won't repeat. Um, and uh, I do have a report um, of what happened. So uh, last week I was mentioning about uh, the wonderful plantation that I was on. Uh, that it was uh, just short of lollipops and unicorns. And then, rest assured, um, you have a white supremacist that came and ruined that. Uh, so, uh, what happened was uh, two days ago, uh, um, and it might uh, go in, in tandem with um, White Dog, um, two days ago, uh, there was a white female that was uh, walking her dog, and she uh, had the dog on the property. This is not her property. This is work property, um, and it's a it's a residential home uh, for the clients who are vulnerable. And she uh, was allowing her dog to use the lawn as a latrine. So I kindly told the uh, the white woman to, you know, kindly remove your dog. This is private property. So then she became immediately hostile. Uh, so first she walked off in a huff, and then she went back on the property and said, why? And I said, well, this is not your property. That's why. So then she uh, walked off of the property, and then I went into my vehicle, and then she went back onto the property and knocked on the driver's side of the window. So I opened the door and I said, ma'am, please get yourself and the dog off of the property. This is private property. And uh, she proceeded uh, to assault me uh, with my car door. She, she went and um, uh, hit me with my car door, um, uh, telling me, uh, you know, a host of interesting verbiage that I will not repeat. <clears throat> so I had my phone out. Um, I thought that I had it on video, but it was only on stills. But I, I had it with the camera end pointing to her, saying, I am calling the police, and I have, I have you filmed right now. And that's when she got off the property, walked two doors down to another neighbor, um, who was a, another white woman with the dog, saying, Oh, this lady is saying that my dog can't be on her lawn. Um, I said, I'm calling the police. And um, she, she walked off. I, um, but I, I did manage to get um, a couple of pictures of her. Uh, so I immediately informed my employer. And on my lunchtime, I, I also contacted a retired firefighter about it, of which he's, uh, he had uh, provided um, very safe advice to also go down to the uh, police precinct to uh, enter a report. Because when I initially called at 911, um, they called me back because the phone had disconnected and the um, dispatcher had told me 
by, because by that time the woman had left, the dispatcher had told me, well, if she's again in the area to um, notify police. Uh, but with Sage, the Sage um, advice from retired firefighter, I still um, went to the precinct to file a report on the matter um, and uh, provided my employer with an incident report of the matter. And um, uh, as a result, I went and purchased no trespassing signs to put um, on the property, of which I'm getting reimbursed from the agency. Um, and had a, a really nice time putting those signs up because every mail that I had drove into the board um, and neighbors were coming to just walk by and, and look, um, I'd be smiling and driving that nail into the wood with the hammer. Um, you can only imagine what I was thinking as the nails were representing people. And I'll leave it at that. So that's what happened there. <clears throat> so the hostile woman did not come back. Uh, but the following day, uh, there was another woman that decided to come from her house with a very big recycling bin, cross the street, and put it on the front lawn of the same property that I'm supervising. And I told her, ma'am, you cannot put your recycling bin here. So she was telling me, oh, uh, well, uh, he told me that um, it, it's okay that I can, referring to one of the clients. And I had said, ma'am, he's not uh, the property owner. You'll need to remove it. This is private property. Not surprising to be expected, but it's just really interesting how how these people operate. Um, uh, so um, yeah, like it's uh, my my work for the contract has turned from working with clients with mental health issues to doing um, security around the premises. And guarding against the community members who are white, <laughs> it's it's, it's a, an interesting change in, in um, the job role. Uh, but I mean, uh, security and safety of the premises is is part of the role. So I, I just didn't anticipate it to be like this. But um, so be the case. Um, good news, though. The full time that I had applied for, I did get the job. So I notified my supervisor, and um, entering my two weeks notice effective Monday. Well, Monday will be my two weeks, my last. Um, and uh, by the end of the month, uh, or be just um, sort of a week shy of the month, then I would be on to a new position, which is full-time benefit. Um, so looking forward to that. However, this current plantation was um, asking me if they had it full-time, would I be interested? And I said, sure. Like, well, of course, we need to talk. We need to discuss salary. So, because um, I, I, I still like the plantation, um, 
this because of the fact that there is there is more black people uh in the plantation but uh there's also more black people on on the other plantation so it's there's um there's a a camaraderie um uh, among um the ones that I've worked with so I'm it's bittersweet but um Yes, uh, I'm still keeping lines open, connections open uh, with this plantation, even though I'm moving on into future endeavors, so that if the full time comes up, then um, and if the price is right, then I would definitely um, uh, come back full time as well. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's all I have. Uh, for tonight, um, yes, that's that's all I have for tonight. No, I'll probably continue. Much obliged, uh, be in Toronto. Uh, congratulations! I think for folks who uh, maybe have been listening in at the beginning of the year, and we're hearing when. Uh, B was having a tougher time and working at a job that was not as uh, pleasing uh, to be going to on a daily basis. And uh, the race soldiers were harassing her on a regular basis. And I mean, it was just it was horrible uh, to hear what was happening to her nonstop and exit strategy. If anything, this can be a reminder. If anybody, if you're on a job, it's unpleasant. You know, you're not getting a promotion. You're not getting raises. This is not a a spot. This is not a location where you're like, oh, yeah, my career is going to take off here. I'm going to be here for, you know, a good five, 10 years, and I'm going to make a lot of business relationships. And this is grooming me to really do some amazing. If you know, this is not the case. I'm just going to be kicked around and mistreated for the time that I'm here. Exit strategy. Get working on that. You can get to a better plantation, like get that uh, work on that resume, make sure it's current and then get looking. See if you can find something that's better. Try not to get stuck in a rut where you are someplace that you don't want to be. That's not for you. And you end up being there for a long, long time. That can do a lot of uh, just harm to your health and overall sense of uh, well-being. Um, The attack situation at first, I was almost like, man, I thought she told us about a dog situation last week where this white woman came and had the dog and, and, you know, was being criminal. I think they got laws about just having your dog come and leave their droppings, bowel movements everywhere that can uh, spread diseases and such. Uh, And then it escalated. It's like, Whoa, I didn't remember all that. Her hitting them with the car door and everything like, geez, like we have had a number of folks who have called in over the years Uh, talking about just things happening, trying to get from their vehicle to the job where they, I remember we had a black female. It was some white man stalking her out in the parking lot. She would be on the job and he would be there. eyeing her down. She doesn't know him. He doesn't work there. What is he doing? All of that. Take it super seriously. Uh, This white person is trespassing, coming on the yard and then allowing her uh, ruffian white dog to come and uh, do his business on the yard. Again, that's criminal activity. Uh, That's the sort of thing it's supposed to be a police call. She does. Hey, I'm just please don't have your dog doing that on the grounds. 
And the white woman can't. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. I'm being an irresponsible dog owner. Come on. You know, get my canine out of here. My bad. I'll clean up and and do better. Leave you some fried chicken to make up. No, 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 no. Total. What did I say at the beginning? The terrorism is the system of white supremacy. Now, this is north of the border. I've been saying that all year. The escalation where it can't just be. Oh, you said, you know, a couple words that and we leave it at that and go about our business escalation me whack you with my car door and like i just asked you to have your dog not leave his bowel movements on the property racist men i mean in particularly this year if that had been in the states i wouldn't have been surprised if she had a gun maybe she did have a gun in canada they got gun lovers there too but i mean that's the type of thing you have to be mindful of Uh, and i think that is a i totally agree police report incident report with your job and even going to the police station to file the report. I know we've had some listeners who said that before as well, that that might be a, a safer option than calling the police and having them come to your residence and what have you. Cause sometimes that you know, system of white supremacy, but you go to the police station is how I want to file a report. We have had some people who said that they felt like that was a better uh, situation. You could have a little bit more control over the geography of where this contact is going to take place at, but excellent. And put the sign down, be serious. I don't know if you want to get and feel like it might be worth it to invest in some of those cameras uh, that you can have on the property to kind of record. Uh, people are coming there and that sort of thing, but that is appalling. Uh, you're supposed to be working and, and just there to do your job. And you got to have all these security concerns and terroristic threats and things, gangs of white people in their conduct. This is the labor of counter racism. Take it seriously, man. Sorry you had to deal with all that, but I'm super excited. Hopefully you'll uh, maybe you'll get that other. Maybe you won't even have to take the other job. Maybe the place where you're at, that's relatively cool. Maybe they'll give you a nice, big, cushy salary and full time benefits and all the rest of it. And you can just, you know, stay where you are. Uh, Let's see. Uh, other folks who dialed in, if you have comments, uh, observations, questions to share, line should be open. Proceed. Can I be heard? Uh, Rob, formerly in Wisconsin. Uh, so very quickly, uh, I am back to work. Actually, I'm on the plantation right now, uh, working as we speak. Um, and... I'll call it in because uh, I've been doing this job for a little over 18 months. I maintained the job through my homelessness, and I started as a dishwasher, and uh, now I'm a line cook, uh, and it's just a little more comfortable position on the plantation, not working as hard. Um, so just wanted to share that, and... Uh, Greetings to everybody, and thanks for taking the call. Much obliged uh, for the update, uh, Rob. Good to hear from you. Uh, and that's like I said, California was one of those areas. They had the fires and the Rona, really hard hit. They had a lot of businesses, restaurants, and things that were uh, shut down, uh, particularly a few months back. But I guess they're kind of trying to slowly get rolling again. Good to hear that you're back. Uh, on the job, hopefully staying safe. 
safe as you can. And, uh, yeah, still thankful to not be in Wisconsin. Uh, let's see other folks who dialed in. Uh, if you have a hand up commentary, observations to share, proceed. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Uh, good evening, everyone. Um, yeah, I guess I didn't know that uh, the fire thing was all about you also. I just thought it was um, affecting a bunch of white people. Um, you know, I hope you all keep safe. And um, congrats to uh, B on her new employment. Um, so this is the first week of school uh, for my son. He's in grade one. Uh, they had uh, alternate days where you go to school Monday and Wednesday and do online distant learning the rest of the week, or you can go to school Tuesday, Thursday, and do distant, distant learning for the rest of the week. I opted to do 100% online learning. And so far, it's not been good. So, um, you know, there was no school on Monday because it was Labor Day. So on Tuesday, the teacher only gave him one uh, assignment, which was a question. Uh, answer this question and draw a picture. I did not think that was sufficient to last for like the whole day. But uh, with my situation, what I do, I was, I was continuously doing school throughout the summer, so we didn't really take a break. So um, I already have books and stuff that I, that I do with him. So I did that and also my work that I give him. And then on Wednesday, she posted no assignments. So I reached out to her, you know, and said, no, what's, you know, is, uh, is there any assignment today or any homework? Uh, should I be coming up to the school to get a packet or something? Um, isn't there a way for me to know what the syllabus is for grade one? But that's something that I'm not, I'm not, you know, I have a Jamaican background. That's where I went to school. So I'm not even sure, like, you know, I don't, I don't see any syllabuses up here. I go online to look for syllabus. I don't really see what a grade one syllabus should look like. So I'm, I'm kind of having to, like, feel around to kind of um what he should be getting at this level. So anyway, that was Wednesday. Um, Thursday, so that was Wednesday. So after I sent her that, that, that message on Google Classroom, she, I guess, responded like, like 6.45 p.m. that night. She responded and posted a, 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 an assignment that was due midnight that day. Um, on Thursday, she posted one assignment, which was, you know, a question, something like a question and, and draw, draw pictures or something. So I'm finding the work very lacking, as I did last, last semester when this happened. Um, what else? Um, yeah, and there's this, you know, I'm on Long Island. I don't know if you heard about this white boy that was suspended. <laughs> he was suspended, um, went back to school. They told him to leave. He said he, he doesn't want to leave because he wants to go to school Monday, every, every day of the week. And I'm like, and he's basically like, even like some kind of protest. He's saying, I want to go to school because I want to play football. I want to play basketball. I need, you know, we, students need <laughs> to socialize Monday through Friday. And I'm like, seriously, I'm here with my son. Can't even get, <laughs> can't get a, a, a proper education. You're complaining about not going to school Monday through Friday. Like, all right, <laughs> what else? Um, that friends thing that you mentioned, um, that, that you mentioned, and also in a segment, um, when I was working, um, I used to, um, you know, I would say, not really friends, but like, um, you would like, 
you know, have a conversation with somebody and sometimes it's like people get too comfortable and the conversation becomes inappropriate. You know what I mean? And it's like, I find myself, you know, as, you know, you get older and stuff, kind of like, you know, as Gus said, you know, I'll, I'll say good morning, you know, if I feel like it. I'm, I'm not a person who says good morning to everybody. If I feel like saying good morning, I say it sometimes, I don't. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm cordial. You know, if you need help, I'll, I'll help you, you know. I'll have a conversation with you, but I'm not like sitting down eating lunch. I'm, I'm not that kind of person. And I remember a white man came to me, an old white man came to me one day, and he was like, um, you know, you're like an island, you know? And I'm like, you know, island? I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean I'm an island? It's like, you know, every time I don't see you talking to anybody, I don't see you know, laughing at anybody, you know, like, you're just always by yourself, you know? And I'm like, okay, so what's wrong with that? And, um, you know, basically he had, he had nothing to say. Just like, you know, I'm just, he doesn't see me with anybody. Um, I think, I think B was, I'm talking about mental health. And earlier today, I was talking to my mom about, are we talking about prison white supremacy? And um, mental health came up. I don't know if you remember, uh, like some years back, some guy, some black guy that worked with um, disabled people, like he got shot by the police. And when the police, was asked, you know, why, why he shot a man, he, he said, didn't know. But when we were talking about, you know, working um, with people with, with disabilities, autistic or whatever, and sometimes you have to like, you know, restrain them. And she said, my mom, she used to uh, do training. So she was saying that, you know, she has to talk to, like, she said, you don't need to like a black male and you're like, you're six foot one and you walk in the community. Um, you know, you're like, you can't, if, if, a, if, uh, if a person's acting out, you can't, she called it skip. You can't perform skip. You can't um, restrain that person because it will look a certain way to the community. And it made me think about black uh, male misandry because I've been thinking about that a lot lately since I've been listening to the cows and Dr. Curry and that gentleman you had on um, recently, um, his name, Hassan. I think his name is Hassan. But yeah, I've been really thinking about what it means to be a black male, what it means to be a black man. But that's, that's all I have to say. Thank you for letting me share. Much obliged. Uh, that will pop up tomorrow. Uh, Black Misandry, our segments for the compensatory calling. Dr. T. Hazan Johnson, in fact, he will be in the lead up to the segment. I just went back to that segment today when I was trying to get some of the news clips together for the compensatory call in Saturdays, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, parenting is a tough job. I don't have offspring. But wow, that is a tough job. Um, I have heard that uh, report consistently in terms of the uh, compensation, right? Since we're not going to be in the classroom and all the rest. So what are we going to do to make up for it has been lousy, unsatisfactory, apparently in many, many areas, Uh, especially where it's a lot of non-white students. Uh, Lots of problems, either the number of assignments that are being given out. Uh, Did they have the equipment? Are they checking to make sure that this type of thing is getting done? Like have just heard that from a lot of folks in terms of this just being uh, inadequate in a variety of different uh, ways uh, over the past. And it's been they've had like months now. This has been going on since March. Like you would think, wow, maybe we could have sat down months ago and put a really solid plan in place. So everybody makes sure all the little problems and things, if it's Wi-Fi, tablets, lesson plans, all that, this will be really well planned. Not at all. 
the suspension aspect now I don't know I thought they have rules if you get like suspended expelled from school you're not supposed to be on school grounds if you come you can be like arrested for trespassing they can even add on that can make your suspension even worse you show up on school grounds you're not supposed to be there not I've been suspended well I'm coming anyway get my education it's important you're not going to keep me I'm trying to be on the football team wait a minute (laughs) that's extracurricular activity you're supposed to have like you're supposed to deport yourself correctly before we even talk about you want to be on the debate team or the football team or the soccer club or anything like wait a minute (laughs) you're out here calling people niggers and all the rest of it and you haven't even finished it that's another one now imagine that was Tamir Rice got suspended for throwing spitballs at school didn't flush the toilet got a week suspension and he said oh no 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 my education is important I'm trying to play basketball this far I'm coming anyway you're not going to suspend me imagine they have they have resource I thought they had resource officers what happened to officer slam we don't tolerate trespassing I, I don't have children maybe I'm, I'm I'm ignorant how the whole education process rolls uh, if we have other parents Feel free. Let us know how this whole transition, I guess it's September, because I guess it depends on where you are. I know in some places they made the start of the school year later so that they could try to do a better job so that we don't have these type of pitiful reports about, you know, how many assignments are being given out. Are they really checking in on all this? So it looks like it's adequate. We really concern. We are concerned about children's education and are going to make sure we do the best that we possibly can. Some places it might look a little better than others. So if we have other parents. Feel free to share. What has your experience been? Uh, The number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. I wrote that down. I almost was like compensatory call in metaphors. I was like, oh, it's not the right one. Said she's an island. Do you hear that? You're like an island. What are you even talking about, man? You're never talking it. I don't see you laughing it up and joke. Is this a brothel? Do we work at a nightclub? Like, we're not supposed to be in here. <laughs> oh, that was a good. This is not Las Vegas. I don't. I don't think we work at a casino. Like, this is a serious job. I'm trying to get work done. I'm not supposed to be over here laughing and shouting and giggling. Trying to, I'm trying to get a raise. In fact, I'm not just trying to get work done. I'm trying to get a raise. I have got serious things happening here. What are you trying to do? Questions. See, everything comes back to the questions. Uh, let's see. Uh, other folks dialed in. Uh, if you have observations, suggestions, uh, and or problems, certainly feel free to share. Can I be heard? Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, our mom in California, I believe. Yes, yes, thank you. Thanks for taking my call. Good evening, everyone. Um, ah, the fires. Uh, I thought about you with the fires because you're there. But it's so close, all the debris. Oh, it was worse than our California fire. It, the, it, oh, it was awful. So um, I don't have any white friends, any white friends. I don't have any friends from work. I know people from work 
but I don't uh, communicate often, maybe one person, and it's not often, maybe a few times a year. It's just not necessary. It turns into something else. It's, a, it's just a lot. It's, it's just unnecessary. So, um, uh, Master P, oh, yeah, that was cool. Um, I think he doesn't talk about racism a lot, too, because he's in a tragic relationship himself, or it might be a little um, complicated for him with all that, and then trying to, you know, be on your best behavior with her, so that could be why. Um, school, uh, my child, my child's in um, college. Um, this was his first week of, uh, you know, starting back on the internet. They're gonna start back. Um, I guess he'll go back. So they say in January. I don't know. So. Um, He's just online, so it's it's a struggle because of the the, uh, the type of school. So it it's not hard work, but he just had to shift some stuff and maybe do some um, different classes versus the more instrumental ones. Um, it's still a mess. It's an awful mess. Uh, they still charge, so <laughs> but he wants to go so. That's my story about school and um, how it's affecting the the child that I have. Um, my workplace racism. <laughs> so um, I got a little got a little guy. He's three. Um, same supervisor um, as before. Uh, she did a, a internet overlap with me. Um, I guess last week. <laughs> I think she did one yesterday too, but she did one last week. So, um, what I noticed is um, she doesn't pay attention. So, it's as if it's a bother to have to do this from home for her. I say that because she. I noticed um, with the um, when we first did our first overlap. Now, mind you, she does has never met this child. She doesn't know anything about the child. But she didn't, um, when she overlapped, she's looking for a bit, but she's looking in the sky, like literally looking in, on the ceiling as if there's stuff there. She's reading something on the ceiling. She's literally looking at the ceiling. So I'm looking at the screen because with this child, I have, I can maybe pay attention to the screen a little uh, different versus um, a more busier child. So I just see her looking up in the screen. Anyway, oh, I'll be back and be back from where? Where are you going? You're only here for an hour. You got 23 other hours to do wherever you're. So you get that. And um, so I don't know what kind. She said she's going to create a little program um, for me to have him do um, what I do, do maybe uh, sit down, come here, something like that. It's the stuff he's not interested in doing. So I think if she would observe him first and really observe him, even come by, what she said, she couldn't come by because she saw lots of other children. So she didn't want to cross-contaminate. So um, he has a brother, the little the guy that I see, his brother's uh 
I, that's obvious. About 15 or 16, he's on the spectrum. Mm. So um, it's awful because he'll never be able to do anything on his own. He's really, um, it, his, he doesn't have a vocabulary just from me just being there. Um, he's soft food. It's, it's, it's just upsetting. So the little three-year-old, I guess mom, you know, she really something for this one. He's a little more, I don't even know how much more of a difference he is from his brother, but um, he's not vocal. He might repeat A, B, I don't know. He might do some repeats and he might do a lot little stuff with his parents. But it's um, it's hard. So um, with the supervisor not focused or not, not having the same, maybe it's me. Maybe it's me having a different concern, especially because I, I, I look at it as if they caused someone caused this, the boys to have this um, autism. That's how I look at it. So I'm taking it differently versus someone that has to be interrupted to overlap me to get paid to observe somebody that you don't even know to create a, a program that will assist him to the best of our ability. So um, it's just bothersome. Um, so um, I just decided <laughs> from last week, I'll, I'll do whatever she comes up with and I'll create something to get him to communicate because he doesn't, you know, he has um, repetitive things that he does. And um, with you having an older brother that's on the spectrum as well, you could kind of learn how they are on the spectrum and uh, develop the same way they are too. So you'll, uh, I don't know, you probably pay more attention to your brother versus um, the echoic things that your parents would say. I don't know, especially since his brother's not vocal. So um, I really work with them. So I do stuff and um, if he wants me to do it, I make him say, ask for it or say something, just make some kind of sound versus, me just running around trying to figure out what he what he wants, and um, so the parents will do it as well too. So um, it it helps me, and um, I'm gonna see what I can do since I see I don't have, have any help like that, and then I'm gonna force her from another angle to do something to assist while I kind of get him to at least respond um, vocally. So yesterday when I had him. Um, because I didn't want to go to work because it was so smoky. But I said, oh, no, I got to go because he needs me. <laughs> He's going to just need me, need me. But I just figured he need, needed me to just come do what I do the way I, I So, yeah, I went into work, and <laughs> he wanted to go outside, so I told his mom, I asked, could he go outside? And I said, no, because it's poison. I don't know what's in that stuff, but I know it burns, and I don't want, you know, I don't want to get in his nose. So... We didn't go outside, so we probably won't go outside next week either. But I'll continue to try to work with him because he looks like me and he needs some kind of assistance. So I'll mute my line and thank you for taking my call. Right on, Bay Area mom. Thank you for sharing. Stay safe down there. In California, the madness of 2020, uh, I can totally relate to not being able to go outside. I had that. I wanted to that. 
in the frustration of like, oh man, I can go sit outside on the porch and all of that. Can't even open the windows. Like, uh, woo, man, just trying to get to the other side. Uh, the autism component. Uh, I was listening to the news earlier this week. They were interviewing Sylvester Stallone, suspected racist. We talked about Rocky many times on the program over the years, the entertainment of white supremacy, racism, and the importance of that film, that film franchise still going Creed two, probably got Creed three coming. So in this, this week, Sylvester Stallone, they said that they are doing a director's cut of Rocky four, which is the one where he fights the Russian. And in that movie, uh, they, his son, his white son, Rocky's son gets a robot for Christmas. Uh, that can, or his uh, trainer gets this robot for Christmas and it can talk and blah, 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 and all that. So they doing the redirect and they said this robot probably won't be in it. So they focused more attention on this robot. And it turns out that this was a real thing. This was not just some goofy little prop that they threw in the movie. They made this robot to help autistic children. And they go into all this detail and Sylvester Stallone talks about how he found out about the robot. And this is, I guess, one of the causes that he's in supporting children with autism. So this movie came out in the eighties. And they have a walking, talking robot. It could talk be like, hey, what's up, Rocky? Beat that no good, you know, nigger, clubber lang, Mr. T, he's a coon, blah, blah, blah. He could talk and, you know, blow out candles and all this other stuff. All of this is to help autistic children so that they will not be unresponsive, so that they can develop a vocabulary and be higher functioning. Wasn't that, uh, I forgot the shooter, suspected shooter, killer. Adam Lanz, I think is his name. They said he had Asperger's syndrome, higher functioning, I think, on the autism ring, unless my memory is bad. So many shootings. And that was like 10 years ago, eight years ago. Uh, But you can be higher functioning. It's just are there going to be resources? Same thing with the regular children that are going through school right now. Are we going to do resources? Are we going to invest our best so that you can be your best maximally develop, as Dr. Welsing would say, or, you know, eh, whatever. We don't really care. Anywho, uh, the upheaval, heard that with her child as well, not knowing, uh, I think she said January, they might be back in school, maybe, uh, and do it online, uh, work in between time. Like, man, it is all kinds of upheaval, just trying to do the best that we can, uh, as we get through the week. Uh, kudos though. I think that is black self-respect trying to help this young child, uh, and get some resources because man, uh, nobody cares about black children. Even Dr. Curry talked about that uh, when he talked about the man not black with disability does not mean anything. You're still a Negro. We don't care about what your disabilities are, what your problems might be. Oh, you have autism. You're an autistic Negro. That'll be about the size of it. Uh, the number again is 720 <clears throat> 716-7. 300 the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate i had to cringe on that when she said percy miller master p tragic arrangement that might be why he's not talking about racism oh oh feverish he's feverish 
Uh, other folks who dialed in, uh, if you have commentary to share, suggestions, problems, your own situation, uh, line should be open. Proceed. Let's see. Folks are getting their commentary together. We'll see. While folks will give them a minute or two, I'll read some of our other emails that came in from this week. This is from a black female worker. She writes in my contribution this week is that even though I work from home, when white people get together, someone is bound to be mistreated. I don't have a set schedule. But I did notice that me and four other black people got stuck with the worst schedule, which is 10 to 7 p.m. I did notice because two of the black employees have a picture up. The other has an obvious African name and the other made mention of it at a meeting we had. The schedule is public just in case you need help. But I looked and most of the white people on there have the better schedule much obliged for sharing. It has been my experience that that sort of thing is not uh, an accident. Uh, Generally speaking, the folks who are in charge uh, of scheduling and that type of thing, generally speaking, it is not an accident. They're not ignorant about racism, white supremacy. They go through, we talked about workplace friends. They go through and hook up their friends and homies, white friends and white homies, and they get the great hours and all that. And then when it comes to the nigga, oh yeah, give them, you know, if we give them any hours at all, just put that in for emphasis. But oh yeah, that's standard. Uh, they talked about that even with the temp agency where they had black people that were not getting high. And you could even see the racial hierarchy there because they would hire some of the other non-white people, but the black folks, nerp. No hours, no jobs, no nothing. Email again until justice at gmail.com. Email again until justice at gmail.com. If you have comments here, we can read it uh, anonymously or what have you. If you have thoughts, suggestions to share. Uh, Let's see. Uh, other folks dialed in. If you have observations, suggestions, thoughts to share, feel free. Can I be heard? Uh, greetings, Mo in Dallas. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, greetings, uh, listeners and callers. Um, I have a few things. Um, uh, speaking to uh, Grumpy Slade and him writing in, um, I don't think the panel was, was meant to be constructive. Or, uh, I don't think it was constructive. I'll say it that way. And I also believe the um, uh, the questions that uh, he, were, he and the, the female victim of racism that were um, tasked with, I, I, I don't feel that they were um, conducive to their black mental health um, at all. If anything, I think those kind of questions uh, did more damage to their black mental health, especially in a workplace setting. Those those are very 
stressful situa- uh, situations for uh, a black uh, victim of racism to, to just kind of answer, you know. And, um, it's, it's kind of, there's a lot of pressure to put on a victim. Um, um, friends at work, I did, uh, when I was uh, more confused about racism, I did uh, try to be friends uh, with people at work. Um, I don't, I don't do it anymore. I try to, um, I try, I do try to remain courteous. Um, um, it's, 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 it's less, I, I, I found that when you don't try to be friends with coworkers, you know, you kind of get to, um, you, you kind of get to be more productive and conserve your time. And you also, um, you, you build a, a, a good reputation for being serious about, you know, um, your 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 business, especially in the workplace. Um, personal story of mine: uh, I'm a victim of racism, and I'm not afforded with the best things. So, uh, one day last week, my car battery had died. This is workplace racism, um, and uh, it was actually raining. Um, I do have one of the the the, the most uh, the more undesirable set of hours at my job. So um, when I got off, it was raining, and um, it was just really unfortunate. Um, I turned on my car. um, The lights came on. My window rolled down by itself. It was still raining. Um, I kind of, we have, like, security patrolling the campus. So I I flagged the security down. He was another victim of racism. I asked him, hey, do you have a jump box? Because I know we have these things. And um, he was like, yeah, but I have to call it in. So he called it in. Another guy. Um, this was a, a non-white. I mean, non-black suspected white supremacist. Um, if you ask me, he was suspected. Um, he uh, he 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 drove up to my vehicle to make sure it was me. But then he told me he did not have the box with him. So we actually left for like like maybe five minutes to actually go get the box. And then um, when he came back to my car, and mind you, it's raining. When he came back to my car, he sat in his car and he filled out some type of forms. Um, and uh, when he got out of the car, he took my license plate down. I had to sign it, put my badge number on a piece of paper, um, all of these things. Um, and like I said, my, I'm still getting rain inside of my car at this point, so I'm trying to stay calm. And uh, you know, he jumped my car off. Uh, and I didn't say anything of it. It just seemed like he was taking, it took, I timed him from the time he saw my car to the time he actually put the cables on my car. It was 13 minutes, um, you know, with, with retrieving the box and paperwork and all of that. Uh, it's funny because my car actually, the, the battery, I didn't get the battery until that Saturday. So Saturday, uh, my car had died again. And um, this time, I had I was I was luckily enough to be accompanied by a, uh, uh, one of my white coworkers. Um, she also had a battery issue. Um, we're a different fellow, but he just pulled the jump box out of his car, jumped both of our cars, no paperwork, no anything, and we just went on our merry way. I bought a battery uh, shortly thereafter, so I was lucky, and I don't want to do that again. But I just thought it was very interesting. Um, the two different scenarios, and they would happen uh, back to back, you know, two separate days. Um, 
Oh, and, and uh, also something I noticed in workplace racism. Uh, uh, the, this might be on a compensatory call, maybe, but I don't know. But the Chiefs and the Texans, uh, they were booed for presenting unity by locking arms. The Kansas City fans, I mean, yeah, the Kansas City Chief fans booed them. I thought that was very interesting, especially when they were doing it to uh, symbolize equality and speak against racial injustice. Um, that's all I have for now. Be my line. Much obliged, Mo in Dallas. Uh, probably will have a word about the uh, booing that happened in Kansas City. They should have been ecstatic. Super Bowl champions start the season, come out here and get the Rona standing together and ah, boo these Negroes. Uh, let's see the battery situation. Well, I'm glad that you got your battery replaced. So hopefully uh, no more battery issues. Uh, no, that can be unpleasant. End up getting stuck someplace where your battery goes out, especially if it's nighttime or rainy or anything like that. Like, oof. Uh, so glad you got that taken care of. But those type of stark differences where for you, you got to sit out in the rain and we got to go through five hours of paperwork and who are you and is this your vehicle and all this other rigmarole. We just started uh, Isabel Wilkerson's book uh, Cased, which is not very good. Uh, And she included an anecdote when she was talking about the book and she said she worked for the New York Times and she was supposed to go and interview this white guy. And so she goes out. She's supposed to meet him at this restaurant. She gets there. For, she's on time. He is late. She gets there. Pardon. She gets there. And uh, he arrives late. Like, oh, yeah, I got this interview. I have to talk to you. Get out of the way. This is like, oh, well, wait a minute, sir. I think I'm the person that you're supposed to this is, what? get out of the way. I got a important New York Times interview. Get out of the way. I don't have time to mess around with you, some black person. He says, well, wait a minute. I think I'm the person. I'm with the New York Times and all that. And He says, well, do you have identification? He says, well, I got my license. Do you have something that identifies you as the New York Times? And she says, I ran out of cards. I didn't have any more at the end of the day. Like, what? There's nobody else here. Get out of here. Got my interview. I don't have time to be wasting time with you. And so she... That is the system of white supremacy. I can't even get my battery charged on the car. White woman comes the next day. All that paper. Get this white. She's got a family to get to. Don't have all this time to be wasting. You. Yeah. Be about an hour. Hang tight. Try to stay dry out there. I thought we were all in this together. Isn't that the Rona? (laughs) Like you. Would want everybody. You don't, you don't want them wasting time and all the rest of it. Hunker down. Be outside unnecessarily. Not for the victims of white supremacy racism. Embarrassing. Or I can't even say embarrassing. To be expected. Mm. I, you can add that as well. And I think for a lot of victims of white supremacy those type of vehicle problems can be, I was going to say deal breaker. Uh, they can be employment enders uh, when people end up uh, for it's Okay. If that battery had died as opposed to you're trying to leave work. So they have security on the campus and people that can help get you rolling, even though they're going to lollygag about doing it. Uh, but if that had happened on the way to work and means that you might have to call in, 
or be late. And then it happens two days in a row for a whole lot of folks that uh, shiftless, lazy, good for nothing. Okay, make sure my audience there. But yeah, it's you're a shiftless, no count Negro. You know, it's your fault you don't have reliable transportation. That's the way that they'll you know present it. That happens to lots and lots of black people. They were even saying in Wisconsin uh, that white people had moved the jobs away from the Negros, and then a lot of the Negros didn't have cars and that sort of thing, or had a suspended license. Lots of different ways they get you, and then whammo. Now you can't get to the job or you can't keep the job. Lots of different ways. System is designed to have those type of things happen to black people. Uh, anyway, I would say triple uh, A can be a good investment where they can short circuit. You don't have to deal with all that sometimes uh, for some folks uh, that has been helpful uh, for me at different times. That has even helped out uh, some of my coworkers <laughs> where I've been there and they did that. Uh, at work and I was able to use my AAA to get them bailed out. But anywho, uh, something to think about uh, just so that you don't have to be as dependent on white people. They even have the little uh, charge units that you could have in your vehicle just in case uh, type of a thing might be something to think about. System of white supremacy ha- uh, provides a lot of dangers. Uh, let's see. Much obliged. Mo and Dallas. Did, uh, did you were you going to add something? Did I miss you? Oh, okay. Uh, no, sir, that's all. Much obliged. Much obliged. Uh, let's see. Star 6-1, other folks that we missed. Other folks uh, who we missed totally. You have commentary to share. Line should be open. Proceed. Greetings, everyone. Uh, greetings, retired firefighter. And greetings to everyone else on the line. Uh, I was just giving some thought uh, on uh, the um, professional non-white black male athletes and their counter-racist efforts uh, recently, I guess over the past maybe month or so. Uh, and making making an analysis of it uh, comparable to uh, what we do on uh, on Fridays, which is the day you know workplace racism and and our individual comments and efforts uh, and uh, what is standard with the program is to uh, is to not uh, openly try to um, uh, initiate counter racist efforts <laughs> in your place of employment. Uh, and uh, what I think of what I have been observing over the last month, uh, especially with the uh, NBA and their recent efforts and the NFL uh, uh, 
it uh, kind of like uh, gives some uh, uh, true observation to that statement uh, based on what I noticed. Irregardless of the white people who primarily pay to go see the games and therefore play a, a big part of the uh, interests of professional sports, uh, most of them are in agreement with the only thing a black male. And when it comes to the WNBA, NBA black female can uh, do is just shut up and play the sport. That's the only interest I have in, in you black female, black male athlete, professional athlete. Uh, there's certainly other options that they can take uh, specifically individually. Uh, I would say uh, the lowest salary of a professional uh, athlete is uh, in NFL was somewhere around $380,000 a year. Uh, and, but, and most of the guys, uh, that we, that if you did see any parts of the game yesterday, uh, that were being booed, uh, were millionaires, actually are millionaires. Uh, but, uh, I would suggest to any one of them to, uh, make your counter racist efforts in your, in your time, uh, guided by your personal uh, counter-racist codifications as opposed to uh, making gestures uh, in your place of employment. Uh, it can become very, very, very uncomfortable for you in that process. Uh, not saying that it can happen to you any, irregardless, but nevertheless, uh, I would say probably the best thing that you can do is when you're not at your work site, just like any one of us uh, that uh, we have been suggesting for years uh, to uh, not attempt that during that period of time. Uh, it doesn't make a difference on how much money a person makes, uh, especially in the uh, realm of employment of what I've mentioned. Uh, they are actually the lowest level when it comes to control. Uh, they just happen to make more money than most of us. <laughs> but uh, just something that I kind of observed, and maybe if it's something that I said that was not correct, maybe somebody can help me with it. It's just observations that I've, that I've I had over the past couple of days. Thank you. Much obliged, retired firefighter. Definitely think folks can generally be much more constructive with their counter-racist activities uh, once you are away from the job. Again, you are probably, unless you have a, a really unique job, you are probably not being paid to come on your job. And now is the time to, you know, quote Al Sharpton jesse jackson and let's get down to the nitty-gritty to talk about racism that is probably not the type of job that you have so yes i would 
probably just stick to getting my work done. I'm not here to talk about racism, politics, even if I'm asked to talk about racism and politics. That is not what I am here to do here to get that raise promotion. Plenty of them raises and promotions. That is what I'm here to do. That is what I'm going to focus on. Uh, number again, seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Other folks dialed in if you have uh, comments. Observations, thoughts to share. Line should be open the email again until justice at gmail.com. Uh, if we have folks who are uh, not able to dial in and or concerned about being identified, uh, folks uh, have any of those workplace friendships that have worked out. You have codification uh, with regards to staying safe, the COVID-19 situation, grand to share any other problems or things that have worked out well. Always need that. Uh, line should be open. Proceed. Grant, I'll make sure. To nab, if folks are all spectating, things are going great on your job, either while you work from home or while you socially distance at the office. Spectacular. I hope uh, you are able to stay safe and problem free for the remainder of 2020. Uh, we will be here uh, tomorrow for the compensatory call in 9 Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we'll review what went down the last seven days or so on the plantation. We'll be here on uh, Tuesday as well. I think that's the 15th. Yeah. Tuesday, the 15th. Uh, Dr. Ama Mazama. Make sure I pronounced her name correctly. She was with us before. Uh, she gave lots of great information uh, about homeschooling and specifically uh, black parents uh, working to try their best to counter racism in the school system uh, by doing more homeschooling. Uh, and I had actually thought uh, some weeks before, like, oh, man, we should have done that a long time ago. We got, you know, parents that are going through all this. Just had a black mom called in before talking about her own offspring and all the rest of it. Like, man, we should have had her back because I'm sure she would love to use this opportunity. Uh, either folks have questions or just would like some tips, uh, things that might be helpful to know or think about as you're trying to work through the next few months or if you're going to use this as motivation to say, hey, let's just do the homeschool period. Why, you know, instead of, as, a, as opposed to this being a temporary uh, kind of solution or patch until the schools open back up. Let's just have this be what it's going to be from now on. As we move forward, we'll just have the homeschooling. Dr. Mazama should be with uh, back with us on Tuesday, uh, especially for parents. Uh, you can take advantage. Dial in if you have any questions suggestions you'd like to hear from her she has a pretty successful track record of homeschooling herself so dial in that'll be tuesday normal time 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific 
we're going to wrap up 30 minutes early if folks are spectating and all that because it was a real I didn't even want to do the program today having to battle through debris and all the rest of it in addition to all the rest that 220 has offered so if folks are just spectating we are gleefully going to wrap up early and again if things are that great in your work environment you don't have any problems not being mistreated no observations of incorrect behavior things are going well and you don't have any codification that you have been working on that you think is going to be beneficial for other non-white people to hear wow i'm glad you're not being mistreated i would encourage you to be vigilant be observant. It might be that you're missing out on things. And I would also encourage work on that codification uh, because we do need some techniques. But if you are not being treated, mistreated, things are going well. Make sure you invest. That should mean you're getting all of your raises, all of your promotions. So you should have a sparkling bank account in spite of 2020. Invest racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com paypal button is in the top right corner we are also on cash app uh, the address cash dot app forward slash the cows much obliged for all the folks who have invested Uh, and again if things are going that well make sure to invest in the cows Anywho, uh, the report where Donald Trump, where he said he was doing away, they're not going to invest in the uh, sensitivity training, as they called it, was hilarious on so many levels. They had uh, Timothy don't drink the Kool-Aid wise was on New York public radio whining and complaining about this. He's been one of the beneficiaries. I'm sure he's got lots of training opportunities uh, to go out and uh, spew his nonsense about white privilege and all the rest of it. Uh, They had a Forbes report. It said Trump bans diversity training, claiming it's divisive anti-American propaganda. (laughs) And they wrote uh, President Trump just made a major announcement that will surely have a huge impact on the diversity equity and inclusion industry no mention of racism trump is now prohibiting federal agencies from conducting cultural sensitivity trainings because according to the report they are divisive anti-american propaganda diversity training excuse me diversity trainings that focus on educating participants about white privilege critical race theory in the racist origins of the United States apparently create division and resentment amongst federal employees. What is deeply problematic about this new ban is that the U.S. has a habit of avoiding the country's dark and racist past. Evading the issue will not make it go away. It will grow more insidious and resilient each year with each year that passes. And I'll stop there. It says he goes on with reasons why these sort of trainings are needed. I am not of that opinion. Uh, I've not seen where having Timothy Wise, Jane Elliott or any of these other folks uh, come in and get a big check does anything to help black people, non-white people in the workplace. None at all. If anything, it might help some racists be a little bit more sophisticated about how they practice racism so that they don't say as many blatant, flagrant racist things in the workplace but I've seen no evidence and have asked 
Jane Elliott specifically, she's one of the ones that can go out and get $7,000, $10,000 to do these trainings, have asked, do you have any evidence? Once you go out and do all of this, the white workers, they behave themselves? Nope, no evidence at all. Right on, President Trump. I wouldn't pay for any of this nonsense either. No more white welfare for white diversity trainers. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Other folks with us with commentary to share. Uh, Hand up. Line should be open. May I be heard? Uh, greetings, caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, I have some thoughts I'd like to share. Uh, this week, there were, let's see. A lot of uh, more anti-blackness. Um, this first one is about the COVID-19 uh, pandemic and the schools ending their second week. Uh, it didn't seem like this victim was taking the situation serious, seriously or whatever. Um, it was, she was saying that to another uh, co-worker that the schools, they should just let everybody come back, all of the students come back and not leave a distant learning and uh, talking about the CDC saying that, well, the deaths, 6% of the deaths are caused by COVID-19 and everything else is underlying conditions and this is just nonsense. And after the election, all of this is going to go away. So I was like, you know, VGQ and everything. And really, ultimately, I didn't say anything. They were just having their conversation. But she was like, after the election, this is all going to disappear. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I just made a record of that. Like. This is this is a serious situation, and her daughter ended up testing positive. All right, same person. Uh, so, you know, I'm hoping that her daughter gets well, has a full restoration of health. But, you know, her uh, grown-up daughter apparently has. Um, I guess what they call having mild symptoms, but she hasn't returned to the other building or whatever. So I'm still hearing more on that situation. My second one is I was coming into the workplace. All right. The back door. And this is an old one. This was before the pandemic. They would play music, right? And the music choices, like, it was so, um, uh, hmm, it was varied, so to speak. So they play hip-hop, and they were playing DMX. They were playing DMX Party Up, all right? So I said, wow, this is the first time I, you know, 
I heard music, you know, played this loud or whatever. And I didn't say who the artist was, but I knew who it was. So I say, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're out here jamming to some DMX. And, you know, he's one of my favorites because once he was here in town, a woman accused him of rape. And it turns out that he didn't do it. So now what does, what does that have to do with anything? So you're playing this music, blasting the music. Now, uh, I guess it was the so-called, what they call um, the censored version, so to speak. And, you know, they're playing this stuff while people are coming into the building. All right. And they're playing all kinds of music. So he said that. He mentioned a rape charge. I had no idea about that. So, you know, I went on my way. My next one is uh, a female victim of racism. I guess she, the, she used the word, all right, and I thought about the connotation of this. She was taking a passport picture of uh, a customer. So she, it was taking a little time for her to set up the camera Wi-Fi. So before she called her in, she was like, oh, you know, I'm just taking a little bit of time. You know, don't mind me. And then she finally calls her in. And before she takes the picture, she says, I'm just trying to just, I'm shedding fur. I'm shedding fur, like S-H-E-D-D, like shed um, fur. I'm shedding my fur. And she said those words together like that. So I never heard nobody say this. So I said, why was she worded like that? Why would she say this about herself? Um, my next one is uh, another victim, uh, female, black female victim has been mistreated, being sent downstairs uh, to the drive through when it was supposed to be a rotation with her and two other white women. Now, one of the white women goes to traffic court, but the other white woman, for some reason, it looks like they've been uh, giving her the advantage. Of course, she's white. And the black female is pregnant, all right, in the early stages. And this black male knows this, like the the person that is supposed to be in charge in that area knows this. All right. So it looks like it changed up a little bit this week, but I could still tell that she's still been on the uh, majority end of being the one to cover down in the drive through for traffic. So he sends out this email and he used a metaphor that says a little bit of housekeeping, but he wasn't talking about being tidy. He was saying there's some things that I need to address uh, with, you know, being a clerk's office employee. You're going to have to fill in, in some areas that usually wouldn't be an area in your department. You're going to be expected to be a part of the drive through or whatever. So they have that tactic where they use general language when they're really talking about one person. So I think that was a response to the black female showing some concern about like, Hey, you, you put me down in the drive through, you put me down there out of rotation. 
you know, this, this is unjust pretty much. Um, and he himself was humiliated by a white, uh, a white woman that responded, reply all, and basically said, oh, well, thank you for helping out. And we appreciate the things you do. And you're able to take it with a grain of salt. And in parentheses, she says, at least it appears that you do. Now, you know, how, um, obviously that's uh, racism being practiced. That's a diss. So she does that to him, and he doesn't even respond. All right, so that's that's a whole situation right there. Um, I have two more. This one was uh, anti-blackness, white supremacy. A, a white, okay, a white male. He comes over to the area where the black people are, and he says to the female victim, black female, "Hey, you were just over there by the lab. I tried to speak to you. You didn't say anything." And she says, "Oh." I had on the I had on the earbuds. I didn't hear you. So they start interacting and talking or whatever. The okay, the warden herself. She's walking down the hallway. Now it's a bunch of windows where you can clearly see who's on the other end. The white guy, he waves to the um the the warden. The warden the queen of the clique, she uh, waves back to him. All right? She waves back to him. Now, the victim of racism, she waves. Warden just turns poker face and keeps walking. Okay? And, and I know she saw her waving. She just keeps walking. Like, I'm just another nigger, so I'm just going to go to my office. Uh, my last one is I came down to the drive-thru. I was helping uh, a customer, a black customer, and I rung up her card, debit card or whatever for some uh, copies for my request. And after I'm done with that, you, okay, I came back down, back downstairs, and before I could even get to the last step, I give back the card and everything like that and a receipt. Now, okay, now this member of the clique, like I said before, is the darker one that got in trouble for throwing the water. Now, her and another white woman is down there because the, the context, I think, is important. So she says, you know how they got these white women that are uh, unruly or something like that? you have these unruly white women and they call them Karen. I say, yeah, I think I heard of it. And they have a male version of it. That's called Richard. And I said, uh-huh. So she asked, well, would you happen to know what is the black woman version of that? I just simply say, you're asking the wrong person. I don't come up with no kind of words. And then, so I turn, I turned around and I walked upstairs and she made a statement saying, I'm going to need you to come up with come up with one. So I just simply exited. Now, this person has a white parent and a white uh, sexual partner, so you already know what the conclusion of that is. Um, 
that is all I have to share right now. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Context of white supremacy. I think I had already said I would not discuss politics. Firefighter said something, uh, something similar. I would not discuss politics in the workplace, white people or non-white people, or if they have a white parent, white partner, white sex partner, white husband, white wife, feverish. Got that one again. Uh, man, the frickin' courthouse. Uh, so they had in the year of the Rona, they are like clowning down at the courthouse. I mean, they would do that anyway, but like this year it's like above the normal clowning at the Florida courthouse. Like they had the Elvis impersonations. Like you could come and and do the weddings. Uh, It was like a a springtime thing. The Elvis get up to come get married. And now they're playing DMX at the court. I mean, I wouldn't feel safe. Like I came to the court. Maybe I don't know DMX's full catalog, but I mean, I can't think of any DMX tune that, oh yeah, I'm strolling in to get a marriage license, passport photograph, like uh, any reason that I'd be going to the restraining order. <laughs> like, oh, yes, yes. Listen to those DMX while we uh, wait in line. Come on. And then, not just we're going to play a little DMX, then I love DMX, Negro Entertainer. Did you know? They tried to hem him up for rape, pulling old Bill Cosby on it, but he didn't do it. Sitting right here listening to DMX right now, trying to get old fault. <laughs> to what? Why? Is it? I think someone had said before we were talking about the friends thing. I don't think uh, I call her at the courthouse. I don't think he said this was his friend who came up to talk to him about DMX. But you get all chummy, right? And then as opposed to us being serious, when the workplace, this is not just us at home or kicking it at the park on the weekend. Then it gets to inappropriate. Mr. Fuller talked about that. I think a lot of other people have that once. Oh, OK, now we're cool. Or we, you know, we get along and all that. Now we get into this sort of thing. There's nothing about our job at the courthouse that requires us to go over DMX's sexual uh, sexual history. Uh, what he has been accused of criminal activity. None of that. Why is that even being brought up? Nigger rapists, very comfortable thinking about nigger rapists. Next, let's see. <clears throat> the Rona is gone. And see, we had folks I said who, who called in, wrote in rather, said that they wanted help uh, with codification for the COVID situation in the workplace. And I said, hey, we got cows listeners who, you know, they don't think that this is too serious. They're not taking it serious. Uh, and it's widespread. Lots of folks feel that way. Oh, the Rona will be gone by November. We're not. Yeah. That's no big deal. Really? Gone by November. Not just the vaccine, but this is all. Wow. Okay. Even that, if I see that that's widespread, that might be the type of thing where I might ask, like, is there any way we can get a refresher just to to encourage folks to make sure that they're taking all of this seriously? Uh, I don't know that or that would just be something to know if I knew if I was hearing people that I work with and they're talking that way, I'd be thinking, are they really washing their hands? Are they distancing? Got a mask, all the rest of it, all the protocols that we're supposed to be taking to make sure that we're safe. If that's the way that they think that we're about a few weeks from this being all taken care of anyway. And then 
the person's daughter ends up testing, but like, oh my God, like, uh, that's what I mean. Like if that's the sort of attitude and it seems that many, many people have had that sort of attitude from the very beginning of this in the U S number one in the world for cases, man. And then I got to work around you. I'm gonna be a hermit. I would say you're like an Island. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not kicking it lunch. Nothing. Stick it by myself. Don't even know if you all are taking all this serious. Uh, I have not heard that metaphor either. Shedding fur. White dog. Lots of dog uh, references the past few weeks here. But I've never heard that. I don't I've never never used it. I've never heard that one. Um, I'd probably even have to like do a search to try to figure out like I could try a piece it together from context. Like maybe she's having a difficult time or a little challenging. But I mean, that is an interesting way of articulating that you're having a, a tough go of it. Uh, at the moment that you are shedding fur. Uh, let's see the scheduling. Now that's come up a couple times just today. People noting like, wow, it seems like the black people always end up getting the, the not so good end of the stick when it comes to the scheduling. They have us, what she said, working 10 to seven in the email. Oh, they keep sticking us down in the basement. Why is that? Why do we keep ending up in is it? Is it supposed to be something where what to say? Equity. Isn't this something where all of us pitching all hands on deck? Isn't that what they say? Oh, you just keep shoving the Negroes down in there to do all this work. Then you say, some, well, hey, 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 we're all in this together. We might have to work in an area where, you know, we might accustomed to and all the rest of it. And then they don't even respond to the other questions. Like, wait a minute. Isn't this supposed to be? I thought I heard that word equity. Is, is everybody participating or is this just a Negro thing? They put the Negroes down there to do this work that nobody wants to do. I think they'd even got mentioned previously. Our caller who shared all this, where he said some time back that they had some project they were working on and that he was having to do a whole lot. It was taking up a whole lot of time and energy to do this particular task. And then he made note of it. And they finally came back. Oh, no, no, we don't have to do all that. It's taking up a lot of time and energy, but it seems to be widespread where black people in lots of different jobs scheduling and all that. It's generally not white or excuse me, not black people that are in charge of all of that. So they end up getting bad scheduling, bad assignments, but it's not racism. Uh, Let's see. The whole Karen thing, my gosh, uh, that's one where I tell folks, I don't know. Karen, what you say? I don't even know. What is that? I do uh, do the Jeffrey Epstein. We're in Florida. Do a Jeffrey Epstein on a jet. They they asked Jeffrey. They said, Jeff, do you know Virginia, Virginia Robert? Virginia, what? Vir, Virginia, spell it. Virginia. I don't even know how. To, what, what is? What is Virginia? Do you know? I can't yeah, spell it for me. I would do this at Karen. What do you mean? Can't. My name is Tim. That's that's what, who is Karen? You said they call white people. Oh no! When did they start doing this? Are you serious? That's what. Karen, do you know anything about this? I never heard of that one at all. I have to do some research. You, that's the way it would be. I'm not explaining any. I said that before. I just get to keep repeating. It wouldn't be an explanation for a black person, especially a black person with a white husband, white parent. I wouldn't care if you had a black parent, four black grandparents, eight black great grandparents. You would get the same response. Karen, what is all? I never heard. No, I don't. I don't know anything about that 
I'm not here to talk about Karens. I'm not here to talk about racism. I'm not here to talk about the NFL protests, racism, none of that. What do you say? She gets into all that? Nope. And I start walking away. Well, I'm going to need you to come up with a term. You don't even get the hmm on that one. I just go back to my dad. I probably would put that in my note, but I mean, what in the world? Yeah, I wrote that down. I wrote that down. You're not even going to get me recorded having that sort of conversation in the workplace. I said that earlier. Every time you open up your mouth to share, you are talking as though you, everybody at the courthouse is going to hear what I'm about to say. The warden, everybody, bailiff, judges, everybody. If you're not cool with that, whatever response you have, nothing, nothing to say. I wouldn't care if it was Mr. Fuller. He came in and was going to do a little substitute working ass like what? I'll talk to you later, Fuller. Maybe <laughs> like, uh, we're not here to have any of these conversations at all. That's not what we're there for. Uh, a lot. Of, I just said a lot of times things get repeated on the job, even if it's other non-white people. So be very, very good. And even something like that would just strike me as odd. Like, I don't. Do you hear me coming here and talking about Karens and uh, like? Why would you even ask me a question like right. that? It was a white person present. Mm. Mm. I think they had tremendous influence on that behavior. You always got people listening in, ear hustling in the workplace. You got Alexa now and the recordings and all of that. I mean, why, that's what I would be thinking. Why would you even ask me a question like that in the workplace? Like, you don't have a question about these passport applications. You don't have a question about trials, the docket for the evening, new procedures, who broke the camera this week. You don't have a question about none of that. You got a question about Karen's. Come on. Come on. That's why I said no more sensitivity training in the workplace. We do not need to have any of these conversations on the job. Do that on your spare time. Let's just get the work done, get these promotions and be out of here at five o'clock on the dot. All that speaking stuff. Uh, that I don't add the good. Dr. Cambon said it's not good morning. It's God. Good evening. Morning. Evening. Reminder to myself. We're not homies. It's not my family. Doesn't even really matter if you speak or not. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> I'm just, hey, morning. Evening. Make sure nobody can say I don't speak. I'm not here to be aloof. That nonsense where they come through with the accusation. Oh man, I spoke to you. You didn't see me. I just waved. I broke my arm. I was trying to wave. Make sure. Wish you a happy Friday, happy 9/11 day, and you didn't even acknowledge me. I'm working. I got my earbuds on. I didn't even hear you. I'm not here to give salutations out to everybody for every five minutes. Like we talking about, and then. You come back five minutes later. Oh, hey. Yeah. Right. That's none of that. The friends, homies kicking it. This is not a social environment. This is not a party. I'm not here. Make sure I spoke to everybody 50 times. Just here to get work done. Speak in the hallway. Speak on the way out. It's no big deal. Somebody you didn't speak. Oh, I'm sorry. I must have missed your head. My headphones. We got the Rona and the fires. Might have been something in my eye. I didn't even see you. Have a good day, Bob. Good to see you.
and keep it pushing personable nobody can say i don't speak nobody can say i'm mute and just giving out cold shoulders but i mean come on he is about that business he is work related i mean wow you talk about somebody who is motivated to get that raise that is gus t absolutely context of white supremacy yes sir i have one i have one additional one this now this is fascinating I overheard this one. They talk about dogs, right? So another member of the clique, she said she uh, had to put down her dog. And she said vet told her not to get another white dog um, because of the dog that she had was a white dog. And it had health issues. And she just ends up saying, well, I like white pit bulls. And that was it. Gus T. Renegade's top 10, Romaine Gary, white dog, who also died strangely. I don't know if it was health problems or white dogs just aren't meant to be around too long. But wow, she likes white pit bulls. Those have a reputation for being aggressive. Use those to fight, jump on someone, bite them in the jugular and all that. They brag about that. Michael Vick, see the pit bulls, the pit bulls. Content and they even spend all that time on his job. Last week they were talking about the chocolate lab and the the uh, the dog with the Chinese eyes. And now this week, like, are we gonna just sit around and talk about dogs? Do we work at a kennel or is this the courthouse? Like, come on, man. DMX playing. Like, come on, man. Come on. Let's get focused on our task. We can all go get a side job, volunteer at the dog kennel. Yes, everybody, especially white dogs. But that's not where we are. We're at the courthouse. Supposed to be taking care of people. Black ones. Non-white ones. All of them. Taking care of people. Man. The cat. I'm sure she got way more sympathy. Had to put her doggy down. A white dog down. Way more sympathy. Black mom there struggling. She can't even get just scheduled. Real tragedies here. We got a white dog that died this week. Romulus and Remus. Dr. Welsing had uh, quite a bit to say about white people and their dogs, in addition to Romain Gary that we just read, top 10. Other folks, uh, if you have comments, questions uh, to share, what a week it has been. 720-716-7300. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Grand soon, folks, got their commentary in. We'll give uh, another five just to make sure everybody is satisfied, see if they have anything else, comments, suggestions, problems that they would like to share before we wrap things up. Again, we'll be here for the compensatory call in on Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, uh, and then 
Tuesday. Uh, I think that's September 15. Uh, we should be here. Normal broadcast time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Dr. Ama Mazama. She's been with us before. She talked specifically about black parents uh, and efforts, things they can do to homeschool their black uh, black children. Uh, She was trying to encourage folks when she spoke with us the first time around. Very different set of circumstances this time around. I know some folks have said, yeah, this is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. We're doing homeschooling permanently now. Uh, If you would like some help. Uh, ask some questions, take advantage of someone who has pretty successfully done homeschooling. I think she homeschooled her own uh, offspring uh, and they went on to do very well. We talked about some of that when she was with us uh, before, went on to do great things and went scholarships, engineering, all kinds of things uh, just from some of the opportunities she was able to instill uh, during their homeschool journey. So take advantage. You can call in Tuesday. She is an educator by trade, so I'm sure she would have lots of great resources suggestions both from experience and just from being an educator uh so tune in that'll be tuesday specifically trying to look out for black parents uh can i be heard working through all of this as best they can uh let's see retired firefighter uh do you have commentary sir yes uh i would uh, just as a reminder for everyone who is uh, employed to keep track of the the different uh, research that is done on the vaccine uh, in order for you to have the best possible uh, decisions uh, and also how you have, maybe you have to articulate your decision uh, to your employer uh, when it does come up, uh, so keep track of it so you can make make the best possible uh, understanding and decisions that you possibly can make when it comes to that vaccine, uh, whether it's something that may be required on the job or whether or not whether or whether or not you would uh, take it, that sort of thing. So keep track of uh, of uh, how that's going. Uh, you know whether it's uh, on the on the news or you do your own research uh, as far as that concerns. So when the time comes, where either your employer or your uh, child's school uh, comes up to where they, whatever their decisions are, that that uh, you are able to make the best possible decision that you can make. That's it. Much obliged, uh, retired firefighter. Uh, just try to get information. Even might be a good time to check your company's policy and procedure to see, are you working at a job where you might be required uh, to get that vaccine? That would be really good information to know, like, as soon as possible. Like, whoa, how much of a time period are we going to are we going to have to be one of the folks? Because they've been talking about some people might have to be in the first group uh, whenever that vaccine becomes available. Is that us? Like, are we going to have to be as soon as it's available? Why we got to be first in line? Like that would be good information to know, like sooner than later. Um, yeah, I would be really mindful and definitely checking if you work. I would think if you're a healthcare professional, perhaps if you're an educator, uh, some other fields, you might be required, might be part of your uh, employment. I don't know if you can hear me. I certainly can't. 
Let's okay. see. You make sure. Oh, well, you were breaking up for for a while. Oh, okay. For a while there. Um. Yeah, just saying, make sure you check your policy and procedure uh, to make sure to see if you might be required to get that vaccine or not uh, on your job. That's in, if you work in that type of environment, I would want that information as soon as possible. I would have probably lots of questions like, wow, I don't know if it would be a workplace friends thing, but that would also be one. I would probably be talking to a lot of employees like, wow. We are all of us. We're supposed to get this uh, vaccine as soon as it becomes available. Like, wow, everybody here, you're going to sign up and get the vaccine. Oh, okay. And just talking to folks like seeing might even find somebody where they know like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing that. This is the exemption for it. Blah, blah, blah. There would be lots of chatting, lots and lots of chatting. If I worked in one of those jobs where, oh, yeah, part of your employment, you got to be vaccinated for the Rona as soon as it's available. Uh, if we have any folks, if right? You... Knowing the consequences and knowing your options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we have anybody, if you are uh, in one of those environments, like I said, it might be for a number of educators might be in that position. Although they make you get, you know, sometimes they make you get other vaccines and that type of thing. Uh, healthcare professionals, same thing. You might be forced to get a flu shot and that type of thing. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. Like, oh, yeah, you got to get a Rona vaccine, too. Uh, the caller at five oh seven one five oh seven one. Did you have commentary? Should be with us. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay, I'm a new caller. Um, I've been listening to you for gosh years, but I haven't had the courage to actually speak. Um, and I am a healthcare professional. I actually work with children, and um, the reason I'm calling in today and I have the courage to actually talk to you today is because of a lot of things that you've been talking about, the fact that I have actually children who come in talking about, oh, my parents don't care about the coronavirus, it's actually fake, and I really don't know how to handle that. Um, in addition to that, I also have um, friends and family who really don't believe in the fact that racism actually exists. And I don't know how to handle that. And I would like to put that to you and to the listeners and how could I could possibly handle that. Thank you. Grand first time caller. Uh, let's see the children saying that their parents are or i guess the children reporting to you that says hey dad says the rona's fake uh might be some of our yeah. cast listeners um that one uh, i'm I sorry in illinois. i live in illinois i'm sorry didn't mean to interrupt you oh okay i live in illinois Midwest. yeah right on she lives in illinois where They've had problems for sure. Um, so some of the parent, or I guess children coming in and saying, yeah, they don't think it's a big deal. Uh, Absolutely. And I, I work with children, so I'm back to work. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm sorry, Gus. I didn't mm. mean to interrupt you. No, just, man, that, that children thing would be difficult because... They're not your children, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Now yeah. children, I work with children. I, I, I work at a, it's pretty much a healthcare provider where um, women who are working or, or parents who are working bring their children there and um, they just have them there. What we do is we make sure we take care of that they're making sure that they take care of all their work they're doing through the social learning thing and and we have to do all that all day. And they come in and they're like, I don't have to wear my mask because my mask doesn't matter because my mom said this is fake. This is just a thing that Either, sometimes they even come talking about it's just Democrats. It's just Democrats who are trying to get Donald Trump out of power. It's ridiculous. And it's like, what What do I do? Of course, I will wear my mask. Of course, I wear my gloves. But it's like, how do I handle that where he can be, those children can be a risk to the other children? I don't know what to do. So... That's just my question. Mm. Wow. That is challenging because, like I said, when you're working with other people's uh, children, you know, you, you can't really say, oh, well, your your dad's an idiot. Uh, your mom doesn't know what they're talking about. And that's, you can't really do that. But if you're in an environment with their other children, it would have to be, well, we do want to make sure that we're making sure that all the other children are safe. Mom and dad may be correct, but at least here we are going to have safety measures. So you got to wear your mask. You got to wash your hands because we want to make sure we want to make sure that nobody gets sick. I'd probably try to present it on that level. We want to make sure that nobody gets sick. We don't want to take any chances. You don't want to get sick. You don't want to take anything there. I'd probably have to work at presenting it. Have you talked to like your employer? Yeah. You said I you have. Do? I oh, have okay. my employer as well. I have. And. All they, it's just a matter of, there are very few, um, um, there are very few institutions that are open for, for childcare mm-hmm. right now. So, um, she, I don't think she really cares because there are very few institutions and so I don't think she cares. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, I'm black, and she's black. Mm. But it's just about, I suppose, about that dollar. And yeah, but this is the first time I've actually gathered up the courage because I have a child myself, and I just can't take the chances. So I go in, mask, I sanitize, I have gloves on, the whole nine yards. But it's like, okay, but I cannot prevent this one child because at the end of the day, even if I tell him that, I say, look, you have to wear your mask, you have to do this, I cannot override the parent in child care. Even if I try, I can try as much and say, okay, in this environment, you cannot do this. This is this environment. But he can always override me and say, well, my mom says it's fake and I can do what I want. And he's a white child. And at, at that point, what can I do? Um, I don't know what to do. Mm. So, is your. I don't know if I call it. 
hear the rest of the um, broadcast this evening. I'm sorry. Um, maybe I brought in this topic at a different... I know you have different broadcasts for different things. Um, so I apologize if I brought this in at a different time. But it's, this is just the first time I've been able to find the number, find how to get onto the broadcast. It's, it so definitely qualifies for workplace racism. Um, it would, and I know we do have some folks who work in uh, with children, healthcare facilities type things. Mm-hmm. So they might have suggestions too. If your employer, I know you said she's a black uh, female as well, uh, but if she is assisting you and making sure like they're just guidelines to make sure, I know you said, hey, want to make our money. We don't have that many child care facilities operating right now. That's important. Get all of that. But I would hope like safety, like if a vi- if one of these children should get infected or even you, God forbid, or anybody staff, something like that, then that's yeah, going to mess up the dollars and a whole sure. lot. I would understand that. But she's made sure she's, that she's not in that environment. She's made sure she, she's, she's out of that environment. So she can always make calls. She'll pop in maybe an hour or so to see is everything going okay. And then it's like, well, okay, what, what, okay. Um, but the, but me and a few of the other um, women who are working there, we're the ones who are, you know, um, exposed. And I, I'm, I do due diligence. I wait. I mean, I get there at six o'clock in the morning, so I make sure before any of the children get there, I sanitize, I wear gloves, I put my mask on before I even get into the building. I do all the due diligence, but I cannot control a child. And and I work between the children are between the ages of I would say um, I have a. Um, first-year-old all the way up to six, and they're all boys, and I cannot control if they decide I'm going to just get up, I'm not going to wake, I'm, I'm not going to wear my mask. I can try. I do try. I, I, I'm, I'm on them. I'm like, you got to wear your mask. You have to wear your mask all the time, all the time, but I cannot control if they decide if I turn my back because that's what they do, it's because they're kids. When I turn my back or I'm doing something or I walk out of the room for whatever reason, they will take off their mask. But I don't know what to do because I don't want anybody to get affected. And I don't want that attitude of this corona, it's fake. I don't want that to disseminate between the children. So that's my workplace. That's what I deal with every day. Hmm. Uh, I'll see if some of the other folks who, you know, work with uh, children and or work in a healthcare environment, because we've had quite a few of those folks, uh, both in the States and beyond, to see if they have any uh, tips. But I know at least my thinking would uh, be to see if this could just be presented uh, to the staff. If you all have staff meetings on a regular basis or what have you, if it could be brought up just as what can we do? making sure we're safe. We're keeping our children as safe as possible. It seems like some of the children, their parents don't think this is real. Uh, and so that's reflected in their conduct. They take their mask off. They're touching everybody, that sort of thing. And these are younger children too. I'm glad you shared that, you know, got folks that are four or five, that sort of thing. Even some are even younger. What can we do 
as a staff, we don't have to come in and fuss, tell them that their parents are crazy, anything like that. But just me and I would even sending something home just to make sure that the parents can help out with this and talk to their children. Make sure you're safe in the work environment. Right. The Rona is fake. This is all just lame Democrats trying to get rid of Trump for more years. But while we're at the daycare facility, got to wear your mask and all that. Like they could send a letter home to the parents or what have you and just really emphasize that. That's the type of thing that I'd be doing. Have a staff meeting. Let them know that this is what it is. And then send something home to the parents and really emphasize. I know sometimes they can be uh, really stern with their writing or even verbal if they talk to them via phone and all that just letting everybody know this is really important make sure that you're telling your children that they got to wear their mask and whatever other precautions you have in place to let the parents know and then let the children know as well that way staff can kind of have some greater protections in place if this is a big problem uh do any of our folks that listen in you either work with children and or you work in like a medical setting that we have some folks that work in like group home settings, that type of thing with children, especially smaller children. Uh, any tips you have children and white children, that's going to add even another ring. So you have like younger white children. She said they're all boys. And, they're- and that's one thing I do want to say, because um, I am black and mm-hmm. I do work with they're all they're all white children, all mm-hmm. of them, all of them. I have maybe one. I have one black child. And so I don't want to, you know, sometimes you could say the wrong thing and then you realize that you're out of a job um, because they're children. So I would really love to hear the advice. Yes, please. Solving problems, not creating new problems. For me, this would all be under the rubric of safety. No mention of racism. This would just be about safety. It seems some folks just not doing some of the things we would like to make sure that the children are kept safe. We're kept safe, pitching everything under the rubric, keeping the children safe, staff safe. That's where I'd be working and just making sure that we're all following these guidelines, talking to parents to try to encourage their children as well. Uh, The folks that are listening in, particularly any folks who work with children, group home setting, medical environment, any uh, suggestions uh, to help out our first time caller here? Can I be heard? Uh, let's see. Mo in Dallas. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you. Um, greetings, new caller. Uh, um, I, I agree with Gus. I would take the, the safety route. Um, if you said your employer isn't concerned with anything but money, I would I would definitely deal with her and explain that maybe if one of these kids uh, ends up contaminated because the safety guidelines aren't being followed, you know, she could be subsequently sued or something like that. For not taking precaution. That is a, that's a real thing. Um, and that should get her attention. I would also, um, like, like I said, uh, get literature to parents about the safety guidelines for their kids and all parents. Um, I would also, um, recommend that you have the parents sign some sort of, uh, um, safety agreement, you know, to, so that their child or, um, uh, individually will um, uh, understand the ramifications if they don't comply. Um, and uh, because uh, that's that's kind of what happened when I was in grammar school. Um, we all used to, at the beginning of the year, we had this, um, like a code of conduct type of sheet that our kids had to 
come home with and have our parents sign it, and uh, we would be subject subject to a disciplinary action, you know, if we didn't follow the guidelines that the school set in place. And if you are handling different kids from different families, you know, we oughtn't to be on one accord. So, um, you know, if the kids don't comply, they can't participate in uh, your services, you know. Uh, that that should, I think that would get the parents' attention. Um, that's all I have uh, in my line. Much obliged, Mo in Dallas. That's what I was thinking, like, you know, having a letter sent home to the parents, as I understand it, it's not like there's uh, a glutton of child care facilities that are open right now. Like that's kind of a treasured asset, treasured resource uh, right now. So uh, and it wouldn't have to be a cursing and, you know, stop being stupid. You know, Donald Trump is an idiot. It wouldn't have to be anything like that. Just we're looking out for the safety of everyone in the community. Right. What is it? We're all in this together. So to make sure that all of our children and staff are safe, our staff is able to help you and keep your children safe as we move through all this. Just want to make sure that ch- uh, parents help us keep your children safe. That's probably would probably use that sentence. Exactly. Parents help us keep your children safe by making sure they follow the guidelines and bam, have them all in bold face print highlighted underline whatever it is mask and whatever else you all distancing not touching other people you know whatever else it is but yeah i would try and present it in that way and exactly as he said like man if a child gets sick that's really going to mess up the money i hear you gus i do but that has already just by having that particular conversation with a lot of parents has literally had us lose all kinds of children. Um, And it's like the program cannot sustain itself if all these parents, I mean, if we say we're just trying to keep your parents, sorry, we're just trying to keep your kids safe and this is just the guidelines that we need them to follow, And we also need them to follow other guidelines, like they need to listen to us and all kinds of other things. And you would not believe how many children we've lost just by trying that actual, just by doing what you're saying. Just by saying, look, we're trying to keep it safe. Like I told you, I I come in in the morning, I clean the tables, I make sure I'm gloved, I make sure I have a mask. I make sure all the kids come in. Just regular things that you would do if you are some form of a healthcare provider or you're around children. That's what you would do. And the parents are just like, no, 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 no. This isn't, this is ridiculous. My my child shouldn't have to be exposed to this. And it's, And that's why I'm calling. It's because we ha- I have tried that. Wow. If it's that you level of... That? It is that level. It is that level where it's... it's um, we pay for something. And so because we pay for something, we expect you to follow what we want. But I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to not wear a mask. I'm not going to not wear gloves. I'm not going to disinfect everything. 
just because you don't believe it's not there. I'm going to follow my guidelines. And we've lost a lot of kids that way. Mm. Yeah. 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 We'll nab yeah. some of the uh, other folks to get some of their suggestions too. I would say though, and I mean that is the the ugliness of this year. I think for a lot of folks, there might have to be one. We talked about exit strategy before. You find yourself in a work environment with people where they are unwilling to abide by these safety rules or what have you. Or in this instance, people that are patronizing the parents. Eh, we're not on all that and not going to have my little white boy feel like he has to have some mask on and all that nonsense. I would have to take a hard sit, reflect. Now, is this worth it? Particularly if I have children, I think she said she had children of her own. If I have children. Or even if I was by myself, really, like, am I going to put myself in this type of environment? If this is putting myself, people that I care about at risk, if these parents are not even just a mad, we're not asking, like, you got to bring us $50,000 a day. We want hero pay. Just a mask. Follow the guidelines. Keep your other, other white children here. Keep them. But I don't know that. Trump, four more years. Saw some nonsense and hooey. You know the Rona does it. I would have to seriously think. This might not be the environment for me. Like, wow. Some of the other folks who doubt it, we have other suggestions to help out our female caller here. Yes. Caller, our caller, different caller in Florida, different caller in Florida. This is Grumpy Slave calling in. Um, oh. I wanted to comment on what the previous, what the previous um, caller just uh, spoke about. I didn't catch your name. So uh, I just had a few questions. So are there signs posted um, in the facility or like when, you know, easily uh, seen, like when the parents are dropping the children off to be, you know, taken care of for the day? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So next question then. So the next question, um, what, what is the city or the county ordinance for the mask wearing? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm, I am in Florida and we have that. You have an ordinance, but there's still, there is an ordinance. It's just the fact that, I'm paying this amount of health care, I mean, not health care, child care for the children, and therefore I get to dictate the rules. I see. That's what, and, that's what the problem is. Okay, and, you, and you've had a sit-down. No, 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 no need for apologies. And so, so you, you've had a sit-down with the black female owner, um, and she seems like, well, I think you said, like she doesn't care about the safety of the, of the staff or the children. It's more of she's about the dollar, about the dollar bill. Um, maybe some dry snitches and dry snitching is in order. I mean, I, I, I don't want to cause more problems, especially for a, a black female owner, you know, but if you're worried about, you know, your safety, you're worried about retaliation or even just having a job, um, you, you have to take your health into your own hands. Sir, let me, let me give you an example. I didn't want to share it way too much. Um, but I'm going to tell you, uh, the radio station, but I didn't want to share too much, but already because of my concerns, what she has already ultimately done is reduced my hours, so I don't make as much money. So already there's been retaliation because of my no, concerns. Yes, ma'am. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So 
even if I tried anything more, what she would just do is she would just reduce my hours even more. And I couldn't then, I already have a child. So I'm not, and at this time, it's just, it's just difficult to find something. So that's why I'm calling, like I said. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. Well, that's all I had. I had some questions. I I was looking for clarity and I thought I could come up with something, but it sounds like she's already, um, I don't know. It, it sounds, it sounds like a, it's just not a positive situation that you're in. So, okay. I, I, I thought I could help, but I'll, I'll mute my line. Um, Oh, but I will say thank you Gus uh, for uh, bringing up the topic again and reading the letter. Um, and, um, I really appreciate all the feedback I got tonight. Much obliged. Uh, this is grumpy slave. So he was the one that wrote us about the, uh, Oh man, all lives matter. And, colorblind and now the white man dropped out of the meeting and HR has got to pause and look at the diversity and inclu- if we get that diversity inclusion policy that would be awesome uh, if you can get that sir uh, did anybody any other suggestions oh yes sir it's on his way Love it's it. on his way I got you no problem uh, any other folks suggestions for our female caller um, really difficult situation here where they're not following the guidelines and they got uh, Illinois, like a state mandate about what they're supposed to be doing, and these white parents are uh, just not going by the guidelines. Can I be heard? Florida, let us up today. Uh, this is retired firefighter in Florida. <laughs> Sounds like uh, the uh, lady caller is in a uh, is in a bind. Uh, I would say in the meantime, uh, from what I've heard, to keep up what you're doing, protect your child, protect yourself. Uh, we don't know your personal situation, although you did express some of it. And it, and it, does, it sounds like you're in, you're in a, a situation where you're not going to get any assistance from your employer as well as the uh, the uh, people who send their children uh, to that facility. So as long as you make the decision to stay there, continually protecting, protect your child uh, as well as uh, yourself in that process. Uh, Because from what I gather, from what you expressed uh, and the questions that were asked, you know, and the answers that you gave as far as with the uh, behavior of the children and the parents, uh, that's not going to, that is not going to change. Uh, the, the owner for whatever reasons, uh, places, uh, money over safety, which has been a prevalent, uh, uh, issue with this pandemic, uh, coming from a lot of lot of people, especially a lot of white people, uh, uh, on both sides of the equation. Uh, uh, you, you hear people saying, uh, why open up this school and, you know, uh, why open up this business and, and uh, it must be money over safety. It's not really that, that uh, 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 important that this business needs to be opened. Uh, but in this case, you know, with the health, with the with the uh, daycare, uh, 
situation is definitely something vital for yourself and your child. And uh, w- what I would do in that situation, I, I would protect my- myself and my child in the best way that I could. Because you, I, I think you, I think you've, you have went through all the different potential venues that you could, unless there's something that 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 uh, is missing, you know, for me. And uh, mm-hmm. that's that's, right. the, that's just my suggestions. Yes. Sorry to interrupt you. I didn't mean to, but yes, I have. Um, I go through every safety precaution just for me and my child. Um, I do. Absolutely. Keep keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. You I think you I think you in my opinion, I think you've did everything else that you possibly else can do in order to change the uh collective uh environment. Now it's it's time for self preservation as best as possible. Keep to keep it up. The focus on it. Put all of your focus on that. Uh, I mean, as far as the, you know, still go with the, uh, you know, put your mask on, that sort of thing. But really, as far as your inner, your inner attitude and, and ambition is on myself and my child. Yeah. Much obliged, retired firefighter. Uh, the person... Uh, for Black Panther 2. Uh, did you have commentary? Yes. Thank you, Gus. Um, greetings to all the callers and listeners. I don't have a suggestion for the previous caller. However, I did want to share um, an observation or more so a problem that I've encountered in the workplace, if that's okay. Um, so... I recently received I recently received a call or not recently, but I received a call from my supervisor today um, because I'm working remotely, and apparently I was reported for lacking sincere concern for a client that I had provided services to about a month ago. So now, what she has suggest proposed is that uh, we. I speak with the client along with her. So it would be kind of like a three, a three way call type of arrangement. And the impression that I got was that she's wanting me to kind of self disclose about my feelings and my emotions about, uh, kind of new, uh, um, situation that I've encountered um it 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 appears that it appears that I guess that's very normal in the position that I'm in is that I guess employers are are kind of encouraged to kind of get into their feelings and sharing about you know uh how they feel and (laughs) I can't say that I'm up for it so my 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 um my approach at this point is I just want to you know uh just really take in the feedback and try to figure out what I can do differently. But I, I, by, I by no means am interested in kind of having a heart-to-heart or I know metaphors aren't encouraged in the program, but I, 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 I just want to make sure that I'm being logical and that um, I'm not, I'm not uh, responding in, a, in an emotional or rational manner. Um, 
so that that was that was it for me. Uh, thank you. I'm 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 myself. Much obliged for Black Panther. Uh, we've had a lot, I think, of those type of suggestions or comments made. People saying we want you to open up. I don't even know what that means. How do you ascertain uh, sincere concern for someone? But uh, yeah, I think you. I'm not, and I do not recommend in the workplace setting. If you've been accused of something incorrect. It would be all about, wow, I, I hope, you know, I try to do the correct things. But if I didn't, let's let's get to that. I'm not sure what is meant by sincere concern. Uh, I'm just speaking. I tried as best I could to help solve this person's problem. Hopefully the recording of me speaking to them on the phone or what have you, I was able to do so. I'm not sure what they weren't satisfied with, but let's try to get to the bottom of it. See if I can improve and do better. That's the way, but like just have them be as explicit as possible with the details in terms of what you did or what you didn't do or what should be done to make sure that it evidences your sincere concern uh, for a customer. But yeah, it would not be, I, I don't have a whole lot of emotion or what have you about it. I don't have any animosity towards the client, just trying to do a great job, trying to make sure I can learn from this so we don't have it happen again. And everybody can feel like they get great customer service every time they speak with me. Like, yeah, it sounded to me always logical. We're working away from the emotion, just going with the logic. I would just try to ask like sincerely asking questions so that you can get better and, uh, learn from this and, and figure out this is what to do to make sure clients feel like that they have uh, been listened to and heard sincerely. I will say there are a number of whites. Uh, we've heard white people will call in and get disgruntled. They figure out they're talking to a black person on the phone and they don't get exactly what they want, even though the black person did like to the punctuation mark, like exactly what they're supposed to do according to the company that they work for. But it's just a white person being racist like ah, this nigger, you know, I called in the the item that I was going to purchase or whatever calling about is supposed to be like a, a $1,000 policy. And the nigger tells me it's $1,000, but I wanted him to give it to me for $5 and he wouldn't do it. Some be mad about that. I have heard that we've heard a lot of that with workplace racism. So I wouldn't be surprised about that either. But no, I'm not emotional. Let's make sure we can get this taken care of and keep getting out there doing great work. That's the way that I would, would go about it at completely. Like I'm just trying to learn if I did something wrong, let's learn, make sure that doesn't happen again. Uh, and they got the recording. It was a phone call. They got it. So they know if you did something really, you know, out of this world, you probably would be fired already. Stay logical. Don't fall for the emotion. Uh, let's see. Oh, yes, sir. For Black Panther. Yeah, yes, thank you. I just wanted to add, because that is an important detail, this this is a suspected racist who reported me, um, and I just wanted to add that our phone call was not recorded. Mm. Um, th- that said, I, I appreciate the feedback. I, I think you've kind of reinforced the, 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 the approach that I planned on taking. Um, so thank, thank you for that. Thank you. Good to know. I'm surprised. I was thinking, you know, this day and age, all those calls would be recorded, but okay. Um, but yeah, just follow the logic and like, yeah, that is very common. We've had a lot of white, uh, excuse me, a lot of victims who do 
customer service work or work where they have to be on the phone talking to customers and what have you. And there's tons uh, of that. And a lot of those times the phone call has been recorded. They did exactly what they're supposed to do. It's just a white person being racist uh, and just going to practice a little racism on the phone, be terroristic with a non-white person who is doing their best to be professional, courteous. Uh, um, God, may I speak, please? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Um, I've had the actual opposite effect because I'm actually African mm-hmm. and because I don't sound African, they tend to tell me all sorts of things that are very inappropriate and uh, it, it makes me, it irritates me because they don't realize because I actually had an argument where they were like, oh yeah, where are you from? And I'm like, well, I'm African. And then they're like, well, you don't sound African. And I said, what does that mean? And then they could just keep going. And I'm like, um, and then they've always made these inappropriate jokes and all kinds of things that they've said to me. And it's like, so I totally understand. I understand. So that's all I have to say. Thank you. They are the ones you see the pattern. It is the white callers who are the ones that are being inappropriate. You got black people that are working hard, doing their job, trying to get a raise. And you got white people that are calling in, making racist jokes and all the. They're not even talking about the issue that they called in to get resolved. They moved. To, oh, where are you from? Oh, we got an African nigger on the phone. Exotic. I can do and tell. Some, that's not what you called in for. Just get to the business at hand. That's why. Go all the way back to the first clip we started with today. It's not about being friendly in the workplace. We're not chums on the phone and all the rest of that. Let's just get through the business at hand. That's it. Anytime, anytime you start to deviate from that with white people, guarantee you're going to wind up with some racist jokes and inappropriateness galore. That's all we've heard this evening. Inappropriateness. Uh, the last comment I get in before we wrap up our female caller we just heard from uh, with the serious issue about uh, her workplace situation. And this would probably, probably apply to many folks in their work situation. If you're doing everything you possibly can, you're follow, following policy and procedure and you're doing as much as you can to keep yourself, folks you work with, your coworkers, your children safe, and you're in an environment Whereas a result of other folks, either other colleagues or people that you patronize, whatever it is, that environment is unsafe. Just as some of our other folks said, I would for real be about self-preservation. You're a parent too. Oh yeah. (laughs) There are other jobs like that's easier said than done. We started this program talking about exit strategy. True. Uh, We're being Toronto terrible work situation. They were terrorizing her and all that. Do what's needed to get out of toxic environment because that sounds really toxic. And especially we go into November, if they get a so-called second wave and as they end, if they end up being proven wrong, the Rona is not some fake and is going to be gone by November. Oh, man. Gosh, I don't mean to interrupt you, but um, the flu season is also coming up. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I would really like exit strike because it just sounds like nothing about that situation is going to improve. Like I do not see those white parents changing their mind and oh, 
the Rona serious. Let's make sure little Johnny has a mask and gloves and all the. I do not see that happening. It's just going to be the same thing that we've seen this year. You work for a victim of racism. If she's trying to make money or maybe she feels the same level of concern, trepidation about challenging these white parents. She said they had a lot of uh, parents who took their children out. You're not going to boss us around and tell us we got to wear a mask. Maybe she's afraid about losing more clients. That's legitimate. But I would not want to work in that environment. Forget that. If I had children, didn't have children just for self-preservation, I would be seriously working on my exit strategy because that just I mean, it seems like you're already going above and beyond and they're not even really able to do the simple things to keep other white children safe. Exit strategy. Uh, with that, definitely we can address the, the other component because she had another question about family members who don't believe that racism exists. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, we will uh, spend some time on that one uh, tomorrow and hopefully even some folks if they have other ideas about how to deal with the child care situation in the workplace because I know we have other folks who work with children. We can bring that back up next week as well. Uh, We have done our three hours, hopefully uh, constructive, worthy of your time and energy for the evening. Uh, Again, we'll be here tomorrow for the compensatory call in. And I will ask Dr. Mazama on Tuesday uh, about that, because that's kind of close to her. She's an educator. She might have something constructive to add there, too. Uh, But we'll minimum be here tomorrow and then again on Tuesday. Much obliged for everyone joining us this evening. Uh, Sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. We have lots to process this year. Fires, the Rona, Rona truthers, the election. It just goes on and on and on and on. We need high level thinkers, not folks who are drinking alcohol and not quite thinking correctly. In addition to staying sober, let's be buckled. Anytime we're in a vehicle again, I would say let's stay at home. It is super dangerous. I opened the door and I didn't even get to the haze and all the rest of it because it was fire debris uh, everywhere. I would say stay in the house. If you got it, we heard be in Toronto, white woman walking her dog. Let him leave his poo on the yard. You just go out to ask nightly. Can you be a responsible dog owner and not have your do- what attack you with? the? That's the system that we have. I would stay in the house. If you got to go out, I would be on the lookout for that sort of thing. You see a white person that's escalating, being loud, hostile, get out of there. They might be armed, probably going to be looking to be violent. We are sober, buckled. If you got to go out, you are, excuse me, if you're driving, got to go out. We are super vigilant being mindful of what's happening around us. If it looks like it's going to be a dangerous situation, anything is escalating. We are out of there. Uh, If you're driving, you are not on the cell phone. Again, we need all of our attention to be paying mindful of what's happening around us. We can't be talking on the phone and then watching out for enforcement officers or other race soldiers. And we are trying to minimize contact. All racists, badge or no, just doing the little things, not on the cell phone, not talking to friends and all the rest of that. That said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us 
remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, What's your brother. Problem? You're a victim. Right. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs> okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.